big. This had a 30 rock, like <laughs> deep cut flashback when Jenna has all the uh, crab catchers that are like her fans. Oh, right. And she like, let's pop a Bruce guy. And she goes, ka-chunk, blinky, blinky, blinky. <laughs> and Frank's like, that's that. not even that right noises. <laughs> blinky, 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 <laughs> blinky, blinky, blinky. <laughs> anyway. The things that pop into my brain. Yeah. Uh, let's do this thing, shall we? Let's yes. Do cast. Let's do it. All right. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 74 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. I am Drew Brown. And we are here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show, where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we are going to be talking about how our nib tastes, specifically our sizes, size, oh, not size how, tastes, not, not like actually tasting the nibs. Yeah. Well, I how need the, to change my the answer The preference then. of nib sizes for each of us, yeah, change your notes, um, have evolved over time. Uh, we're going to talk about our ink changing habits, like how often we change ink in pens and so on. Uh, we have some lesser known fountain pen friendly papers that we're going to talk about. Uh, what do we do with our pen boxes after we get new pens? My favorite brown ink and Drew's favorite blue to mix things up a little bit. And we're going to be spotlighting the Lamy Ion. Not new, but something that we don't talk about very much. And we got some other rando things that we're going to talk about. So uh, let's kick it off with some feedback. I've got some feedback. Yeah. Well, that's very appropriate then. Oh, it's not on here. Timing. Oh, you, oh, Okay. Impromptu feedback. Impromptu. What, oh what's in the bowl there? Oh, uh, <laughs> you've got, it is a rather random assortment. You've got. I had a very eclectic lunch today. Two tiny pieces of apple, one half eaten. I've got. Well, I sliced up an apple, so I had the remainders of the apple <laughs> slices. We got some like dried fruit. Oh, that I thought that was just a really gnawed on piece of no, apple. No, no, no. It's like dried fruit. I don't oh, even okay. actually know what it is, but it's like marshmallowy in texture. It's very odd. <laughs> I have a couple pieces of chocolate because. I am Liam Neeson when it comes to chocolate. Oh, man. I have the rest of my smoothie that I haven't finished yet from lunch, and I made myself some hot chocolate, and I have my water. I basically have a whole buffet at the table here. There's a lot going on here. I just, yeah, I don't know. This is and, how, and all this the, the, the water up. bottle is on one of those furniture movers, so he is not loud about it. Yeah. but I don't have an actual coaster, <laughs> so I just grabbed like a furniture pad <laughs> from our supply room. And I was like, well, this is soft and coaster shaped. So, uh, I mean, it's crushing it. It's like the quietest coaster you'll ever have. Yeah, that's very true. But then the coffee mug I grabbed is a little bit loud and... I guess I could grab another coaster, but I just folded up a piece of paper and put it on that. Just take the edge off. Problem solver. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway uh, <laughs> legit feedback, non-impromptu feedback. Um, <laughs> we got one that I thought was very interesting. Um, okay. This is from Tanway. Hello from India. I am Hello. a fan of both of you. So let me start by saying turkey hammock. Yes. Awesome. True fan. I am a noob fountain pen enthusiast from India and love you both. Your pen casts are among my most watched stuff. I cannot stress enough that listening to the two of you is like listening to old friends. Hence, mm. I decided to support you and your company by ordering stuff directly from your site. I sincerely hope that I get my order in one piece as I ordered a lot of expensive stuff from my perspective. Mm-hmm. But keeping my fingers crossed and hoping for the best. Love to you both. I wish you a lot of happiness and peace in the coming years. Keep shining and bringing a smile to all of us. Thank you, Tenway. That was marvelous. Thank and you. we know that we do have some listeners and watchers on YouTube from India. So I thought this would be a good opportunity just, just yeah. to say hello and thank you. And uh, we realized that it is not super easy to order from a U.S. retail location. Yeah, and it's get very things. expensive to order from India. So it, yeah. it, it, when it does happen, 
please know that it is noticed and appreciated. We don't expect mm-hmm. you to do it every time for sure, but when you do, that does mean a lot. And yeah. I really appreciate Tamway going out of uh, their way to do that for yeah, us and send, sending the kind words. It is, it is awesome to hear. Yeah. Um, and then Mr. Cat3493 says, mm-hmm. in reference to the Pilot Vanishing Point LS, which we spotlighted last week, I've heard that LS stands for Luxury Silent. And now that they mentioned that, that does kind of sound does familiar. Yeah. Bit, yeah, I think we just didn't bother to look it up. I think we up. were kind of maybe told that yeah. at, at some point, but it was, yeah. it's never been in like any of their marketing yeah. material or anything. At okay. least that is what David of Figboot on Pens has said anyway. I mean, that dude knows some stuff about some pens. David's a smart fellow. Cred- credible source. I have a standard VP, and it's so satisfying to use. Oh, yeah. And uh, there were other people that mentioned luxury silent is the... Is the thing. So apparently that okay. is a thing, and we just you know, forgot about it. Seems very fitting. It does sound familiar, though. I think we knew it at one point yeah. and forgot about it. That, so. It's on par, on, yeah. on brand for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got some feedback. One is from the Alt 0001. Uh, simple comment listening to your pencast just makes me feel good. All the best in 2023. How delightful is I mean, that? What more can you ask? Even a simple that? little bit of joy and gratitude thrown out there into the internet is awesome. And when you choose to take even a, a short amount of time to do it, I think you're making the world a better place. I do. I seriously do. Appreciate it. Well, it feels good us knowing that we're Well, of course, there's, the, there's that too. Yeah. Uh, Adam Phileas says, Brian, there is a Rockler opening in Short Pump soon. So Short Pump is like the western, northwestern side of Richmond. Mm-hmm. I looked it up. Yeah, sure enough. There, there is one coming. I don't know exactly when. And this was the wood store. This is the woodworking store that, that I talked about. Previously visiting. is only in Northern Virginia. There was a new one in my where my in-laws live. So that was like something. I mean, going to visit my in-laws is exciting enough. But just a little added bonus of when I go up there is I get to go to the Rockler store. But now there's going to be one in town here. So that is pretty exciting. So mm, definitely have to check that all out. All the Purple Hearts. Yes, indeed. So that is exciting. I was not aware of that. So Adam, you empowered me through education. All right. And then Johnny Montalvo, 5620, says, Brian, you've clearly read a lot of books on business. Have you considered writing one yourself? I think you have a great angle that you could write from, especially considering how an online YouTube presence is crucial these days. And you really pioneered that in the fountain pen community. Hmm. That's a good question. I have thought about writing a book. Hmm? Just a couple of different books. Somehow um, I manage. Somehow I manage comes to mind. <laughs> just like Michael Scott. No, I mean, I personally have benefited from hearing more of like the story of other people as they've started their businesses and that kind of stuff. More so than the like, pre-packaged like five levels of being an awesome business owner. The very buzzworthy stuff. That sells books. Yeah. But usually the ones for me that are the most impactful are just like the nuggets of stories Mm -hmm. from people, you know. More experiential. Yeah. But that's just my personal style. I don't think that necessarily most people, you know, but anyway. We got a lot of really good comments about the leadership philosophy discussion that we had last week. A lot of people really uh, honed in on that. Good. Yeah. That's definitely like something I spend way more time thinking about and focusing on than you all would ever see because it's a lot of that's behind the scenes. There were definitely a couple of people that heard you mention that you kind of blame yourself for everything. And they're like, oh my God, my boss would never (laughs) think of doing that. Oh, it's not a popular way to (laughs) go about it. Yeah. No, there's definitely like psychological uh like warfare that goes on in your own head yeah when it comes to like that that mirror in the window thing that we were talking about um and most people are just like no i'm not going there it's everybody else's problem 
Um, and you see that at large with things like the media and mm -hmm. politics and almost everywhere in the world. So nothing, nothing that uncommon. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. Part of the, so yeah, in, in practicality, yeah, sure. I have thought about it. It's going to take a tremendous amount of time, time that I've never felt like I've had yeah. to devote to there that. There is that. And then, you know, basically like to sell a book, you also have to like promote it and, and do other things along with it. So not only do you have to write the book, but then after you write the book, you have to take, you know, probably at least a year to then do a whole bunch of extra stuff. So it's, it's basically like starting a second business. Ooh. And uh, I could definitely see doing it at some point in my life. Maybe when my kids are grown and mm -hmm. I'm like have more free time, I could see doing that. By then you will um, have forgotten everything. Uh, There's a good chance. <laughs> so, but, you know, assuming I haven't, I mean, we got thousands of hours of videos That's to go back true. and reference, so I can at least go back and watch that. Um, no, I mean, I'd be, I'd be kind of open to it, but in the meantime, we'll just keep talking about it and give it to you for free. So there you go. <laughs> but uh yeah, anyway, and then the whole YouTube thing, that's a whole a whole other angle. Because, yeah, we've been doing YouTube since 20, early 2010. So it's like going on 13 years now. Mm -hmm. In fact, the first video we posted was January 10th, 2010. And I remember that because it was right before my son was born. Which ah. was like the worst time to possibly start doing something like that. Or the best time. Uh, anyway, it's never too late for now. 30 Rock, deep cut. Okay, uh, Robin Allen, 3767 says when brian starts forging it will be time for additional videos of all the wood and metal work yes oh and then amanda luzon says uh right on rot on can be the new sticker that's that's why i put it on there for you i figured you'd appreciate that's that that's yeah. a solid pun yeah i dig that um believe it or not i absolutely have thought about doing a youtube channel around woodworking but it's, it falls in the same vein as the book thing i'm right. like I personally would be interested and enjoy doing that, but it's going to take more time and all that than I would possibly be able to devote. And um, yeah, I don't know, maybe in the future, who knows? I could see doing something once I'm bored. When I'm bored, I have a list of about a hundred different projects. When you're bored, I'm going to start to seriously worry. <laughs> I've never seen a bored never, Brian. It never happens. It never happens. Anyway, that's all the feedback we got. Let's talk about some new stuff. All right, new stuff. It's definitely... The well is drying up on the new stuff front. We've got a few things to talk about. Um, beginning of the year is always, you know, a, a, a less a bit active tepid. time. Yeah, yeah, less active time for new stuff just because everybody has holidays and there's always a big push to get things out before the holidays. So then um, we usually, uh, unless think a lot of things get seriously delayed, and then January ends up being pretty busy, but I don't know. So yeah, we've had, a couple we've of had those weeks. before where January oh, yeah, yeah, has been yeah. even bigger than December sometimes. Yeah, but it's almost never planned for January to be super right. busy. But So we'll see how it goes over the next couple of weeks. We do have a few things to mention. Uh, one is that we have the Banu Euphoria. So this is their New Year's. They've done this for four or five years now, maybe, something like that. Mm, sounds about right. Um, so they do a New Year's pen every year. They have 500 pieces of this. It's a limited edition. They number them. This one is green. It looks very New Year's-y, very sparkly and exciting. It's like green with like gold and silver stars. It's got glitter. It's got... Kind of reminds me of the first one that they did. On. I think that was a they hexagon. They did like a green and silver one. Yeah, yeah. A hexagon. That was, was that their first one? It was the first one I remember. Okay. I think that might have been the first one. I think they only did like 100 of those though. So they are doing more. But anyway... Banu Euphoria. Uh, it's 165 for the pen. We uh, there were 500 pieces total. Um, these usually don't. They stick around usually for like a couple of weeks for us, and then they're gone. So I know we still have some, but we don't have like all that many. So if it is something you're interested in, 
go check it out. And if it's all sold out by the time this publishes, because they're recording this on Tuesday, it publishes Friday, I apologize. I'm sorry, but somebody else may still have it. Go get it. Anyway, uh, the other pen that I have, the Visconti Kaleido, which is a newish model of pen. Mm -hmm. It came out in the other color. Unicorn. Unicorn, yes. So it was like a bluey, purpley kind of color. Very lovely. This is a Brooks material color. Jonathan Brooks. Um, Fire Opal, that is now out. That is now out. It was supposed to launch with the Unicorn, got delayed. But uh, yeah, it's like an orangey, reddy, yellowy kind of yeah. color, and it looks pretty awesome. It's yeah. again kind of in that same vein of like the translucent, um, you know, swirly resin kind of thing, like the um, unicorn. Translucent though, definitely not a demonstrator by any stretch. Yeah, um, no, it's like I don't know. If you you might a... be able to see the piston moving up and down a little bit, but it's it might have little pockets of clearness, but it's really cool. All of them are going to be unique. Yeah, yeah, like you can you can tell the ink level it's in it, but you probably can't tell like what color ink. It's going to be it. those like hold up to the light sort of deals, I think. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a, the translucency is more to get the depth of material and stuff yeah. like that than it is to like show all the inside parts of the pen right. and whatnot. So you'll see some of that. It's maybe like, I don't know if I had to just throw a ballpark number. It's like 70% opacity, yeah, 30% transparency. If I was if it was a slider in Photoshop, you know, it'd be like a little heavier on the opacity yep. side. Uh, but anyway, so we've got that in stock now. You can go check that out. Drew, what you got? Well, we also launched some new Conklin All-American fountain pens, Brian. I'm going to eat my fruity marshmallow while you... uh, Oh, you enjoy that mystery thing. You're not really sure what it is. I don't know what fruit it is. Um, It looks like an apple. It looks like a dried apple to me. It might be apple. Um, But I'm also eating apple, so I'm like... Yeah. Am I still tasting apple? Because, like... Your mouth would be the one to trust here. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Conklin All-American in matte black. So it is a very simple matte black acrylic All-American fountain pen in two trims, rose gold and gun metal. And it is the classic All-American shape that you could expect. It's a larger body pen, very smooth. uh, uh, The transition from cap to body when closed is very, very smooth. It's a comfortable like daily writer because it's large but not heavy. Right. Not a lot of pens that fit. And in it's that just group. black matte. So if you didn't want anything crazy, I don't know, like say abalone or rainbow, <laughs> then this might be okay, a breath of fresh air to you. There's quite a spectrum on the color range. It is. Conklin decided, pen. you know what? Maybe somebody doesn't want extravagance. <laughs> this would be the I pen. I don't know for why them. you wouldn't. I mean, especially on that big pen, it's like it is a what, good canvas. Whatever you put on there is going to be loud. Yeah, it is a good canvas for some opulence. But in this case, sure. it's, it's just somebody, if you like the model itself, there we go. Black matte. Canvas for opulence. That's There we go. It's a good band name. Oh. Yeah. And then we're getting in a new ink. This should be out uh the day this pencast publishes on January 6th. We're launching Ferris Wheel Press's new ink, Lapis Lullabies. Ooh, yes. And if that it wasn't just the most Ferris Wheel Press name, then I don't know what is. I feel like this is what I was always sung to as a kid. Was lapis lullabies? Ferris wheel press. So much. <laughs> you know, I I wonder if like if we could create names from non-existent inks and have the other person guess what brand they belong to. Mm. Like, I feel like I could do a pretty good job making up some ink names that didn't exist okay. that sounded like Ferris wheel press. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. And then like. I feel like uh, Colorverse would be too easy because you just pick some space stuff. Space things, yeah. Um, but uh, Noodlers would be pretty challenging because they've got their own, There's a lot you know, of like nature stuff. Yeah, and if you mention and, and if you trees. mention any history, you know that'd be a Noodlers. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And but uh, yeah, uh, Urban would be pretty easy too. That would be because it's easy. in French. Yeah. <laughs> but Ferris Wheel Press definitely has a vibe, and uh, this is just very gotta, much. Gotta, I believe this is a part of their fairy tales collection. Either way, it's I very pretty. So, yeah. It's a, it's a sparkly blue. Um, I got to do the writing samples on this one. It's a really really attractive ink and a lot good. of fun to use. So definitely at least check out the pictures because Ferris Wheel Press is on it, man. Fun. Yeah, they got all kinds of good stuff. They're not stopping anytime soon. Speaking of not stopping, we are going to stop the new stuff, but we're going to keep going into Q&A. All right, Drew. Okay. Q&A. You're going to well, ask Q, the first one, right? Q. Can I eat my office while you're okay. Yes. This is from Ink Stain Adventure. Mm. And Ink Stain Adventure asks, do you find that over time you have gravitated to larger nibs? Mm. Say from extra fine to a medium? So like nib size, not like... Number five to number six. Yes. Like the physical size They're giving probably. us an example there of the tipping yeah. size. So this is interesting because I believe that this is probably the path that most people take. Because I, th- I think, you know, most of our, we look up, you know, which nib sizes are popular and all that across different brands and, and all that. And while I don't have like, we don't have like specific like demographic information of like who's new in the fountain pens. Well, we know it's not do. broad. You know, we know anecdotally just from comments and talking to a ton of people most people are not diving into fountain pens with like broads and stubs. Most people are starting out with extra fines and fines, maybe mediums, but you know, especially if they're US based, most of our paper here is not great. It's mostly more absorbent paper, especially if you're in an office setting. Most of your paper is going to be like inkjet printer paper, which is more absorbent on purpose because inkjet printer ink needs to dry quickly. Um, but if you use like laser toner paper, that's that's better fountain pen friendly stuff. Just little 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 hack there. Yeah. Um, but I think in other parts of the world, paper quality is probably a little bit better. Uh, that's a blanket assumption, but, um, you know, maybe better and, uh, you know, maybe more common to have things like mediums. In fact, usually this is, this is something for like the last decade, at least we have been telling our manufacturers that are overseas, like if they're going to bring like one nib size of a pen, like, you know, sometimes they'll bring over one nib size just to start a new pen, or they just don't make a lot of different ones medium is like the default you know what i mean or it has been for a long time so it's like oh there's one pen like the a good example would be like the pilot metropolitan it was like medium was like the default and we were like no we need finer nibs like yeah the finer the better um because we just have done a great paper here so now, when will we get an extra fine metropolitan oh i've been asking them for a My very God. long time very long time oh you'd but, think they would have done that by now yeah, no, i don't know i want to tell you um but anyway so uh, I think it's very normal, especially in the U.S., to um, start with finer nibs. And then I think there's two factors that make the nib broadening occur more naturally, um, like organically. Like the broadening preference? The broadening yeah. preference, yeah. Okay. I think I think it has to do with a desire to get um, a broader ink experience, you know, getting outside of, you know, just ink color choices that you've used before blues and blacks you know like work safe inks those you can use in oh, like a broader variety yeah like okay. as you get into some of like the 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 new like lapis lullabies yeah. you can put that in an extra fine but it's kind of kind of look like most other blues yeah but you put that thing in a broad stub flex whatever more of the unique characteristics of that ink are going to come out the more ink you put down on the page the bigger your nib, the more interesting stuff you got going on with it. So I think that those who really get into different types of ink over time, the the broader nibs That's tend to point. show that off better. Um, and then I think uh, paper as well. I think, you know, 
especially people getting new into fountain pens, you, you know, you think about fountain pens being like the pen, like it's all about the pen. But then it's also like, well, no, not necessarily. I mean, like the, the ink too is like a huge opportunity to expand your, your fountain pen experience, right? Mm-hmm. And then the paper is like a distant third afterthought. You know, I think of it kind of like if you're, if you're like driving a car, you know, if like you're like just whatever, driving from point A to point B, you don't really care. You get whatever car and you don't really think about it. But if you like really get into like the experience of driving, you want very specific type of car. And then you care about other things like your fuel and your other like additives, like, you know, various parts of the car, you know, that's more like ink for fountain pens, right? But then if you're like into like performance driving, you're going to drive it on a track, right? So it's like fountain pen. Yeah, you can use it on any type of paper. Right. Sure. But to really get like the full experience, you want to buy paper that's specifically like fountain pen friendly. You got to go to the track. Then you that's like the track. So I don't know. That's the metaphor that kind of came to mind. So um, me personally, I had it kind of almost backwards because of just the way we started this business. Um, Because I really got into the fountain pen thing kind of through the ink and the paper because of how we started this business. So I already had like nice fountain pen ink and paper at my disposal. Mm -hmm. And then I sort of like got more into pens kind of like secondarily. Right. So I actually leaned towards stubs and broads and like those, those wetter writing, you know, pens. Um, I got into that first. I remember those, those original, uh, like when you had, you had that medium custom 74 Uh and then those shapers you had were like a bunch of, I was all into like broad shapers. Those things were fire hoses. Oh, they were. And I was into the Pelican script. Those were all big stubs. Yeah. Yep. Lamy joy and all that type of stuff. Yeah. I was really into the broader because I was like, Oh yeah, the ink like that was the thing that made fountain pens seem so much different to me. Yeah, that's valid. And I also had like no money for pens, so it was like ink and paper, very inexpensive way to like get a lot of different fun and interesting things happening in your fountain pen experience with not as much of an investment as it is if you're into a whole bunch of different pens. And I'm still advocate for that, but I don't think that's necessarily the typical way that most people um like expand into their their fountain pen collection but i mean it's different for everybody but um that was my experience and then i think over time i learned that that is maybe not the most typical way that people get into it because most people i think honestly most people don't have access to as much good paper and that honestly drives so much of the the experience there so so you wouldn't have your have your taste gravitated in either direction. It's gr- I mean, or has it stayed pretty much mediums and broads and stubs? I mean, my taste is kind of all over the place. Yeah. I really, I really don't hate any one particular nib size. Yeah. I have, I mean, just and part of it is like you know we're in the business too, yeah. so it's like it. It's you kind of have to learn to love ad- them all. It's advantageous to us to have a breadth of experience. We certainly have our preferences. Um, I would say that like in general, my natural preference to use like broads and stubs everywhere has waned a little bit mm-hmm. as my experiences come along. Just for practicality sake. Yeah, mainly for yeah. practicality, especially because like 13 years ago when we started this, dot grid paper was really not available, but I love dot paper. Yeah. Honestly, if they made like a seven millimeter dot, that would probably be my favorite because that's like the college ruling. It would be enough to accommodate broads and, and finer stubs but I would still get the benefit of the dots. Mm. I don't love having a five millimeter ruling. I just want the dots. Yeah. So literally I've never really thought about it that much before, but I'm like, maybe I should like make some seven millimeter dots. Yeah. Is that anything I can't, I've never really like thought I'm about sure it much before. I'm sure you could do that. 
Is that something that would be interested? Because it's like, does anybody want bigger Cause the, grids? Because the dot paper was was meant as like a more subtle replacement for graph paper, basically. Graph paper has always been five millimeter. And so they they did the dot thing because it's more subtle than there's line, you know, the graph with all the hard lines. Mm-hmm. I love the dot, but I don't, but dots do restrict, like the five millimeter does restrict your broads and stubs. So that honestly is probably shaped more of my preferences, just the tightness of the ruling. I think you just discovered the next great like, product. Why have I never, this is why I like doing this pen cast there because it like forces me to think about yeah. things. I'm like, what if we did a seven millimeter dot? I don't know. It's possible. Let's blail that trays. Or is there a seven millimeter dot anywhere? I don't think I've ever seen one available anywhere. I'll say like, we haven't done a lot of custom notebook stuff because it, you have the, the quantities you have to get custom notebook stuff is crazy. So I don't even know like how practical that would be for us, but if there is interest, please comment because I'd be very curious to know if a seven millimeter dot either is around and I could like try some or if there would be like some serious interest in this. There you go. But there's a lot of times where we have preferences and we're like, oh my gosh, this would be the best thing ever. And then it turns out like, nope, we just have weird preferences. Like nobody really actually I would wants write. This. I would write on that. I like that. You would write some yeah. similar dot? Yeah. yeah. You hump on, hop on the, the seven millimeter dot? I'm on, I'm on board. All right. I just try to be funny and say, let's trail that blaze instead of blaze that trail. But instead oh. I said, let's blail that trays. So like even in my attempt to be oh. funny and do it backwards, I actually ended up screwing up and just making it complete garbage. I, I didn't even hear it. That's so I'm mental. Yeah. Anyway, uh, for me, I at <coughs> some point I feel like all the nib sizes have been my favorite because I'm just super, you know, wishy washy. Whatever about you're that. using at the moment is yeah, like pretty much. Into? So at yeah. some point I'm like, oh yeah, broads are my favorite. Oh yeah, one point ones. No, oh de- yeah, extra fines. You're definitely like leaning I, towards your extra. I've fines, moved though. forward. I've moved yeah. toward extra fines for sure. It's been that um, way for a while, I think. Yeah. Well, with extra fines, I. I I uh, I found that in writing with extra fines, I'm more tolerable tolerant to pens with inconsistent. Tolerable, I think, is the right word to use there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm the same tolerable. <laughs> I don't get any more tolerable. Uh, I can tolerate pens that have finicky feeds a little bit more okay. because with extra fine nibs, I write smaller. Mm. And when you're writing smaller, you're less demanding on flow. Yeah. Just because you're writing smaller and you're not mm-hmm. doing big sweeps, like that's usually when you see breaks in flow. Yeah. And also when you write with a non-extra fine, something above, you are pulling more ink down from the yeah. chamber into the, onto the paper. So they're less demanding in that way as well. So mm-hmm. I just overall have found that extra fines just give me less problems. Uh, if, if the pen has a feed that's just like not quite up to task or it's got a funky ink, extra fines just seem to cause me the fewest issues. I, I love it when, you know, a lot of ink comes out reliably and consistently and mm. doesn't have baby's bottom. But I just think that once you go up there, you get all you get a host of other issues that you have to consider. Hmm. But um, extra fines are usually pretty stock. And I also really respect ex- respect extra fines when an extra fine is done well. Oh, just because you know what it takes to like exactly. make it? Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. I would say extra fines are probably my go-to, but I've been all over the place. I'll probably, I might say something different next week. Fair enough. Okay. Well, we'd love to know what y'all's preferences are too. And about those seven millimeter dots. Yeah. Are you on board for that? All right. I got a question for you, Drew, from Lexi Liu. Do you switch up the inks in all of your pens or keep the same ink in one or more? So are you more of a serial ink changer or keep it constant or a blend? Um, I'm mostly a changer, uh, but I do have certain mm-hmm. pens that I avoid certain inks in. So right. if it is a 
like I have right now. It's not like every ink is fair game in every pen. No, every ink is not fair game in yeah. every pen. I have this old Visconti vacuum filler here. This will not see any sort of high maintenance ink because I cannot take it apart. Right. So this is strictly for inks that I know I can clean out mm-hmm. easily. Um, this one I think has, uh, uh, now is the desert sands. Is that no, this one? one does have polar blue in it. So it is sheeny, but I'm, okay. it's not that bad. So I know I can clean polar blue out of there, okay. uh, but I would not put anything shimmery in there. So it really just depends on yeah. what I'm putting down on paper and how well I can clean it. Uh, something like the 823 is kind of the same way. I can clean this one out a little bit better. Hmm. Uh, so you can see what's and going on. You can on. see it exactly. Yeah. This is an opaque internal filler. Like I'm not gonna risk not being able to get that cleaned out. Mm-hmm. So this I'll go a little bit more demanding, but not by much. And okay. then if it's a cartridge converter pen, like a you know Sailor Pro Gear Slim, you know I can take that thing completely fair apart. Game. So yeah. yeah, that's pretty fair game. Do whatever you can get a you can get the feed out easily. Like you can get the feeds out in a Visconti, but they're kind of annoying and yeah. a little precarious to get out. So. You know, getting that toothbrush in there, you're only going to be able to get what's exposed. So yeah. it comes down to cleaning for me. You got to so. stay on it with the maintenance a little more with those certain filling mechanisms. Yeah, so that, that that's generally my limiting factor. And of course, right. if it is an, an ink like, a, you know, a chromo shading ink, like what Sailor has, mm-hmm. I will want to put those in a pen that just happens to have a larger nib because I want to see that shading. Putting something like Haha in a Japanese extra fine is kind of pointless. You- almost can't even read no. what you wrote. It's, yeah. it's very light and you don't get any shading. So you're just getting yeah. the worst of both worlds. Pretty much. So yeah. That, maintenance that, is still pretty easy though. Maintenance <laughs> is very easy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll do that. And then um, let's see. I do occasionally dedicate a pen to an obnoxious ink like nitrogen or base state. Yeah. Uh, I have had, I think, pro- I've probably over the last 10 years had about five base state blue preppies. Mm-hmm. And once they start looking unhappy or they dry out or I forget to do something, I just throw them away. Uh, generally, they came from mm. like an old Noodler's bottle that had a free preppy in there. Yeah. So I've done that before. I And then also I've done a couple of preppies with nitrogen in them as well. And I treat those the same too. That's still easier to clean out, um, but both of them are good, Sorry, you know, uh, ink like good pens to dedicate an ink exclusive to. So I've done that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's pretty much it. That's uh, generally how much I limit it. Of course, there's also the con- the consideration of pen color for to ink color. So I will... Yeah, is that a factor for you? Because you, sometimes you, you will send, tend to kind of like I, match your stuff, right? I like, it, I like it to be there just to help me make a decision. But okay. I'm not like, oh, I can't put red in this pen. So if you had, because you 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 pretty much do like a three pen, like limitation yes. for yourself. Like I put a blue in this um, because there's some blue in here. But if I really wanted to write with a yellow, I wouldn't be like, oh no, I can't, I can't. Like, okay, I would try not to. So I'd it's be like, like a it's like a preference, but not a a limitation. Right, because I need help making decisions. So it helps me, but no, it's definitely not a hard and fast. Like, okay. oh gosh, I wish I could use this yellow ink, but I don't have a yellow pen. Like, oh, that's fine. I'll put, gotcha. Yeah, I'll put it in something. Yeah. Okay. It's fair enough. But I do have a brown in this and a green in this. So right now, so yes, everything everything too. is co- color coordinated right now. Do you find that that helps you just like remember the ink color? Or Absolutely. It, so it's like a more of an assisted memory kind of thing. Yes. Than it Otherwise, is like, I would have no idea. I I, mm. I I know what three inks I have inked up because I write them down, but I wouldn't know what's in what unless I pulled them out and write it. Interesting. With them. Yeah. So it helps. 
I mean, once you write with the ink on the page, you would see what color the ink is, right? Yeah. But it's more like when you're going to pick up the pen, yeah. like knowing what you're going to get kind of a thing. Exactly. I see. Yeah. Sort of like if you have a box of chocolates and you have a bunch of dark ones, you're like, well, I know that's dark chocolate. Yes. Or if it's like brown. You're there like, we go. I know that that's milk chocolate. <laughs> chocolate language. Yeah. There we go. I think of everything in the ways of chocolates, <laughs> clearly. I'm obviously very hungry and very thirsty in You've this pencast. I am working through it. I finished my smoothie. What about you? Um, you mix it up? That all makes sense to me, what you said. I would say I'm somewhat similar, even though you and I have different cleaning habits, meaning that you have them and I don't. <laughs> um, no, it's a I'm, lot easier with just three. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, for me, I it really depends on the pen. Um, I certainly have certain pens, very much like Drew, um, based on their maintenance and and other things like their opaqueness and stuff like that. If I have a pen that is not as easy to take apart, not as easy to clean out thoroughly. So for me, that's the big difference. Is it easy to clean thoroughly? Yeah. Because chances are I'm not going to clean it for a while. And oh. I need to like deep clean it. Yeah. If it's not easy to deep clean, then I'm not going to put a heavy maintenance ink in that pen. Yeah. Or I may not use the pen much at all. Yeah. Because uh, you, you know yeah. yourself at this point. You're like... I'm pretty self-aware. One of these you know. days, this thing's going to get gunky. It's like, do I want to have to clean this? I will say though, right now I'm in pretty good shape. I'm, I'm very proud of myself. I have gone through recently... Um, I have maybe this is a, this is a low for me right now. I have maybe a dozen pens that need to be cleaned. Maybe a wow. dozen pens. Yeah, it's not bad. Almost a single digits. Yes, <gasps> that's that's about as good as it gets for me. Wow. Uh, and then I recently went through and cataloged into my because I keep a spreadsheet with all my pens. Mm -hmm. I recently cataloged everything I've gotten since COVID. Uh, I had been basically behind for like three years. Are all your pens in the same room now? They're all, <gasps> I mean, I have a few pens like in my backpack and maybe a couple random ones, but you know, basically every pen that I'm like catalog, you know, like myself keeping like historically catalog, whatever, it's all well done in the spreadsheet. They're all back in my office. They need to be put into my pen case, which there's quite a bit to put in there. And I may need to rearrange some of the drawers because now certain brands are going to like spill over and I got to change the labels and stuff like that. So I'm not totally done with Sailor. the projects, but I mean, yeah, Sailor is like its own drawer now at this yeah. point. But um, yeah, I basically hadn't like tackled that since COVID. And it was a bit of a project. It took many hours to kind of do all that. But, um, you know, it was just one of those things. It was like pebbles in the backpack. It was just one, one extra thing. So now I'm cleaning that up. But um, yeah, so now I'm in, in much better shape. Uh, but, you know, going back to the to the actual question here, um, kind of like Drew, if I have certain pens that are very high ink capacity or harder to clean or whatever, I'm not going to change those as drastically. Or I might change colors, but I'll stay within a similar color family so that I can do a flush and cleaning, but not have to like deep clean, you I know, like, like it's really annoying when you have something like a vacuum filling pen with a lot of just crevices in there where ink can hang out and you go from like a dark blue to a lighter yellow or something. It's like any ink that's left in that pen can linger. I don't even care as much about the aesthetics, honestly. Like if it's a demonstrator pen, it's got a lot of nooks and crannies. I can let a little bit of ink hang in, in a place. I can let that go because I'm just going to ink it up again. You yeah. know, I don't care about that quite as much. I'm much more, you know, retentive when it comes to cleaning and storing a pen. I want to get yeah. that thing like spick and span. Absolutely. But if I'm going to be inking it back up with something, I don't even get so crucial about like getting every single little bit out of there. But if it's in the same color family then I can just basically like kind of flush, you know, give it a 30 seconds to a minute. And then I can go in and get back up with something else and be on my merry way. That to me is easier. Um, but if it's a super involved thing, I'm less inclined to do that. Um, but then like you said, cartridge converter pens are my absolute favorites for just like, 
I've, we have a bunch of new inks or something and I want to test them out or we're shooting a video where we're writing with a whole bunch of different things. I'm like, give me a bunch of safaris or something. And I'm just going to do that. I can swap the nibs out on them. I can do all that, you know, and then I can just blast it with a bulb syringe and be done with it. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I guess I don't have that much to add. I could say a lot more words, but it won't be much different than what you said. So we'll move it along. Okay. Next up, question number three this week from Einzelkampf. Okay. What are some other fountain pen friendly papers apart from Rodia, Tomoe River paper, I'm guessing. TRP, yeah. And Clairefontaine. Clairefontaine. Um, yeah, so these three brands have consistently pretty much been the tops for me. Yeah. Like that's an easy recommend for anybody new to fountain pens. Rodia Clairefontaine especially. Tomoe River is like... That's a little bit more of a specialty kind of a thing. A popular specialty kind of very, thing. Very popular, but they don't have a lot. They don't have as many formats, and they have some like they're across different brands. For me, like Rodia Clairefontaine, easy, easy thing. I mean, literally, that was the first brand. Those were the first brands we carried, and they have been consistent for 13 years. Crazy. And they go back. I mean, I think Rodia was like from 1937, and Clairefontaine's even older. So like, they're very stable. I ain't going anywhere. So. That I feel really good about. Um, other brands, you know, it's kind of all over the place. So um, I'm not going to say I did a deep dive on this one, but I was somewhat thorough. Um, did you write down every brand? I did. I did. Just quick. I'm going to do a quick hit. Quick hit on every brand. Quick okay? hit. Quick hit. On every brand. So it's brand. not a deep dive. It's more of a wide dive, like a belly flop. <laughs> you know, I'm not going deep, but I'm covering a lot of surface area. <laughs> Is that, that's apt. is that an appropriate uh, yeah. metaphor? Yeah. Okay. So a blanket statement. We, we try to only carry papers that are like minimally acceptable as fountain pen friendly papers. Yeah. There's a lot of brands. I mean, I have like several bookshelves filled in my office with samples of things. It's like, I really like the format. This is really yeah. interesting, but the paper is just not up to par. No. You know, mostly it's too absorbent. The bleed through, the feathering is too bad. That kind of a thing. Most of the paper that we get is like, it's even advertised as like fountain friendly or whatever. And you're like, well, it's thick. It's thick paper. What is it? But it feathers like a freaking caterpillar, you know? (laughs) Wait. What? Oh, like a big hairy line. It looks like a big hairy caterpillar when you write on it. I was thinking like not looking like a caterpillar. Yeah, like as I said it, I was like, that that doesn't make any sense. Feathers Feathers don't, caterpillars don't have feathers. Feathers like a toucan. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) No, no, it looks like a caterpillar for sure. Yeah. Um, So that said, there's there's an element of curation that we have on our site for sure. um, Because we do not carry anything on our site that we have not tested uh, for fountain pens specifically. Um, and that is too much of the frustration of many of our potential <laughs> brands that we carry because they know that we have to, uh, kind of beat that standard. Um, that said, what's on our site is not exclusive, meaning like we carry every fountain pen friendly paper. There's probably other fountain pen friendly oh, things certainly. out there that we don't carry. Um, and especially it's also, small batch stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, uh, there you go. So quick rundown. So this is of all the brands that we carry. So if you go on our site, all the brands that we carry that are not Rodia, Tomoe River, and Clairefontaine. So I'm just going to hit each one super quick. Okay. Apica and Apica Premium. I would say this one's kind of on par with Rodia in many ways. Um, there's a lot of different formats and bindings and stuff to explore. I would call it more of an underrated brand. Um, but in terms of like its quality, um, it's probably near Rodia, maybe slightly below. Is that fair? You got oh, a face. I don't think you're the think premium it's stuff. Yes, the premium. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking a little more. The non-premium premium stuff. I would say stuff. Yeah. is more on par with like 
I would put maybe, that below. Maybe a notch below. I um, would put that below Leuchtturm personally. Okay. Really? Okay. Maybe the, I the, use the regular. The regular stuff. Yeah. Enough. The premium stuff is nice though. Okay. So Apica Premium is more on par. Regular Apica maybe not as great. Eh, it's it's still, it's, still it's decent. Down there. It's, it's affordable. Not, not the best. It is more affordable. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, color ring. It's a very specific use. It's more for like swabbing and stuff. It's more like cardstock, mm-hmm. but it's very good quality. So that absolutely is great. Endless. So they have their regalia. It's their proprietary paper. Um, very good. They're not, nice format notebook. Not a, they don't have a lot of products. We really just have the endless notebook. They used to have Tomoe River in there, didn't they? They used to. So there, and there was some like, I mean, there was a supply whole, confusion. A whole supply confusion yeah, thing. we're still figuring that out. But their regalia paper is supposed to be just as good, and I've tested it, and it's you find it to be pretty comparable. Yeah, very comparable. Yeah, so it, it's really nice paper. It used to be Tomoe River, so I would call it more closer to what Tomoe River is. Um, but they have their their different formats. The Creative Block, which is like a notepad, that thing is pretty interesting, and that's kind of a more unique product. Um, so I would say that that writing quality is kind of right in there. We have Exacompta, which I think at this point is just index cards. They're relatively fountain pen friendly index cards, but I mean, we've carried them from the beginning. I keep forgetting we have those. I know we always do, but it's like, well, we have like a, a reorder point list of like products that like, you know, if something doesn't sell really well, well, hey, we have a report that it pulls up and it's like, yeah, this thing is like probably not something. We either need to like give it some new life or we just maybe don't need to carry it anymore. And Exacompta, it's like, I think the index cards are like the only thing we carry at this point. But anyway, it's within the, it's under the Clairefontaine family of brands. Wow. Um, field notes. So field notes to me is like, do we have any field? It's notes? like the minimal acceptable it's we've carried field notes for over a decade and we've really always kind of carried them for the like quarterly releases. Mm-hmm. And so we have carried them for a long time and the form factor, the design of them is nice. But so much fun, but they're not designed for fountain pens. They're not fountain pen friendly. They have really. really, they're, they're, they've, they've barely met the minimal acceptable fountain pen friendliness of all the paper that I could say, really, we could answer this question by saying all of them. Like if you say, what are some other fountain pen friendly papers? We're not going to carry something that's not fountain pen friendly. Acceptable. Except field notes or field notes. That's the one thing that's stopping me from saying all of our pen, all of our papers, Extremely fountain pen friendly. I won't say it can't be fountain pen friendly because some 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 inks in an extra fine can write. That's the that's great. that's the brand above all others that we're like, well, you got to make compromises. Yeah, uh, and that's generally been something people have been understanding in the past, and it honestly has not been as popular for us recently. So yeah. it's not as big of a brand. So I wouldn't really worry about it unless you're just really into the Field Notes brand. Um, Gilalo. So this is one that we've also carried this for 13 years. Um, this is really just a correspondence paper. So certain brands like Gilalo, Crown Mill, they're really, excuse me, meant more as, you know, they either have like cards or tablets with envelopes that are meant to be like, like mailed stationary correspondence. Sets. Yeah. yeah. Um, Gilalo falls in that category. The paper is fantastic. It's laid paper. Um, so it's very textured, has yeah. very specific texture with a watermark and everything. Obviously, very high quality. Personally, I don't like writing on it because the texture is it's just not very enjoyable to me. But in terms of the presentation, like as I'm writing something for someone else or I'm writing a thank you note or something I'm mailing, that's one of the ones I will go to first because it presents the best. Yeah. But in terms of my enjoyment of like the writing experience, it's like towards the bottom. You kind of have to go slow. You got to slow down because it's like bumpy. There's like literally like ridges on it. And, and using an extra fine is unpleasant. It is not the most pleasant writing experience, but it looks beautiful. And that's the point. Yeah. Um, so that's really good paper for that. Uh, we have Goulet notebooks, which use Tomoe River paper. So I won't talk about those very much. And 
some of them are fit to size size to fit in the travelers mm -hmm. uh, notebooks some of them are not um, we have a blend so that's it's tomore uh etoya we have had a couple of their notebooks we only have one of theirs at the at the moment it kind of falls in the middle of the pack not sure where this brand is going to go with us it's a relatively newer thing so we'll see what etoya does etoya is our distributor for sailor so they have their own paper brand we'll see what they do with it um, Jacker Bond, they have some stationery. It's just like cards. It's only a couple of products, but they're, they're good quality. They look really nice. They're pretty expensive, but you know, they fall into that Gila low kind of category. Uh, Leuchterm, 1917. So the form factor of these notebooks are awesome. The colors are incredible. Colors are really good. The paper, we all wish it would be just a little bit better. Just a little bit. It's good. I mean, I personally write with plenty of Leuchterms. I don't yeah. I don't have as many problems with it, especially because I pretty much exclusively use the dots, which makes me want to use do you both, finer nibs anyway. You, yeah, you're not one of the people that uses both sides of the paper, though, are you? I'll use both sides of the you paper. Will? Yeah, okay, because with, with Leuchterm, for me, the main issue that I have is bleed through and ghosting. I mean, I don't have an issue with ghosting at all, yeah. really. Um, maybe it's because I tend to use more saturated ink colors. So like, I get more contrast anyway. Hmm. And if I get a little bit of ghosting, it's more subtle anyway. Um, you know, if it's like bleeding through so much that you almost can't tell which, you know, text you wrote from which side. Right, right. No, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. No. I've had other papers that I've used that it's been that bad. So maybe I'm I'm making a compromise there that other people might not find as acceptable. No, it is fountain pen friendly. I, I would definitely call it fountain pen friendly. It's not the most fountain pen friendly. Right. I think they could get a more fountain pen friendly paper and then it would be like the ultimate notebook. game changer yeah but i think it's uh the format is so good um so that's a really good one uh maramon nemesine i know you nemosine excuse me i know you're a big fan of this brand the paper quality is really good yes they have a lot of very unique formats and sizes and sizes yeah. and things like that bindings and stuff like that i think some of it doesn't get a lot of attention because it's it's kind of offbeat. It's like, it's not stuff that people are as used to. So it doesn't necessarily get as much attention or some of like the line ruling they have is like super fine. So it's like great if you like really extra fine stuff. So it is very specific, but it's a very interesting brand. Very high quality. Yeah. It comes out of Japan. Paper yeah. is great. So I'm a big fan of I it. I think it's 80 gram. It's good stuff. I think, yeah, I think... I think all their paper is the same in all their different notebooks, right? Like the quality of the paper, I think is the same in all yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so take a look at their different products and we try to take pictures of the rulings inside because even among the different sizes and stuff, they're, they're very different. Um, so that's a, that's a sleeper brand. I think it's an underrated brand. Yeah. This one's one of my favorite ones. It can go in the back pocket, goes really well inside rickshaw. There you go. That's what I write my ink names on. Nice. Oh yeah. It's perfect for that. Yeah. Um, okay. So moving along alphabetically, Midori, um, I would call this like more of a middle of the road quality. There's some limited formats and stuff like that. It's not that crazy or exciting to talk about. Um, so I don't really have much to say, but it's there. Uh, Nebula, this uses Tomoe River paper. So kind of falls into like the Goulet notebook thing. It's like, if you like Tomoe, you're going to like that paper. So it comes down to more of the format and price and stuff. Uh, Original Crown Mill. So this is a correspondence type product. Uh, again, very good quality, some slightly different stuff. They have some laid paper like Gilalo. Um, they also have some pure cotton paper, which is definitely more absorbent uh, than your typical paper, but it's got like a softer feel to it. I don't know how to describe it, but it's a very interesting feel in the hand. So that one, you have to be a little pickier about the inks you use, but um, uh, is very good. They only sell those in tablet, tablet form and I think maybe in card form. Um, but again, very, very heavy correspondence thing, but it's pretty nice. 
Um, then the last one alphabetically is Traveler's Company. So Traveler's is the known for the notebook. Um, and it used to be Midori and Traveler's was under the same brand. It used to be the Midori Traveler's Notebook. That's why Midori as a brand, there's like, oh, yeah, they have a couple of notebooks, but I don't really even think about those much. Well, I was going to say that there are a few people with the newer Midori books that we have carried, like the larger mm-hmm. ones. Um, okay. You know, we kind of brought that paper brand back a little bit. A little. Some yeah. people are huge fan. Adrian, our customer care manager, loves. Okay. She likes that format. Loves it. Okay. Like she was a big proponent in us bringing back the brand. Tested okay. them a there lot. Absolutely in love with it. The uh, larger notebook, I forget the model number, but it's a larger notebook with a very blank white cover. Mm-hmm. She's decorated the cover like crazy. It really, uh, it, it's very much a blank slate notebook, but you can do a lot with it, especially mm-hmm. if you're a daily user and a daily planner. There is a lot of potential for these brands. So um, it's still relatively new. I haven't had a ton of is time it to A5 test it. the A5 Journal, the Codex? Is that I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Um, big binding on that one too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, MD, yeah. Yeah, the MD. Okay, yeah, it's... It doesn't look like much on the site because no. this is like a, you know, rectangular tan. Yeah, the thing. pictures don't do it justice, but it's a it's a fun notebook and it's really well made. It's got like a naked binding. Like you can see the, you can see like the, the, the stitching the and stitching. everything. Yeah. yeah, it is interesting. It's fascinating. It's really high quality, though, really well made and great for somebody is, who wants yeah. a blank slate. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, so there you go. Um, but in as, as terms of the travelers, like the leather notebook cover you got a lot of different paper in there i love that yeah they have the the paper in there is is kind of all over the place it they is. have a light paper they have a sketchbook paper the planners have different paper so it's it's hard to say like how like i think some of them are better than others the sketch paper is like really rigid it's the really light thick, paper is yeah. like tomoe river yeah and then there's the the craft paper which is like writing on a paper bag yeah yeah it's a little crazy. bit a little bit so you get a wide experience there but that's part of why we wanted to do our own notebooks that would fit that with the Tomoe River paper. So like that's actually my personal combo is I use a traveler's like leather cover with our Goulet notebooks. And that's uh, what's worked for me for years. Um, so there you go. So that's uh, about as much as I can possibly tell you about the paper because that's what I'm most familiar with. But I'm um, curious if y'all have any other brands and stuff that you have gotten not from our site, you know, cause I haven't, I honestly haven't tested. We've, we've tested so many that have just let us down that I haven't sought it out as much personally, because I'm just tired of being disappointed. Yeah. Um, so if you do have some that uh, you've used, let us know in the comments because we're we're always open to it, but you only can get let down so many times before you're like, yeah, yeah at this point, what paper is there out there that's that different? Than, at this know. point, yeah, we do want different. We want, we want something that's going to provide a unique writing experience for our customers. If mm-hmm. it's going to be the same as something we already have, then eh. It's like, well. But if it's something really actually offer, yeah. experientially different, then heck mm-hmm. yeah, bring it on. Sure. Okay. All right. Number four. Number four. Oh, do your thing. Mine. Yeah, yeah, bring yeah. it. Tell me. I will tell you. All right. This is from Julie Cat, New York, or NY. I assume New York. Uh, what do you do with the empty boxes that the pens come in? Like storing them away? Uh, I store them away in the special file cabinet for corporate. AKA oh, the, uh, the garbage. Yeah. No, I don't. I really do uh, trash most of my boxes. Yeah, um, I, I toss most of them. Yeah, unless it's something really sentimental or hmm. a box that what I be just sentimental about a pen, box? a gift. Oh, yeah, okay. if it's a gift and it has a nice box, out of hmm. respect for the. Um, I don't think I've ever factored in whether something was a gift as to if I kept the box or not. It's mostly guilt. Yeah, like yeah, I don't want to like oh, this person okay. gave it to me and they 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 kept the original box. Like especially if it's something that 
has been around for you oh, know, like not years. A new pen, but right, like, oh, okay. right. And yeah, then and then like that. they went through the trouble to keep the box and they gave me the whole thing. Like, okay, well, I'm gonna yeah, I'm yeah, not gonna like okay. they went through the trouble of keeping this box and mm. gifted it to me. I'm not gonna be like, all right, well, I'd feel really bad. Be like, oh, cool, thank you so much. Throw one away and keep that. Like, ugh, I don't know. This weirds me out. I mean, maybe somebody, one day, maybe maybe there's has to be a statute of limitations where I get throw it away after like five years or something. And yeah, I won't feel bad. Yeah, I guess it depends. Like, do you consider that as part of just like packaging? Like, is, it, the, it, is the product the pen? Not always. If, it's, the if it's like a like, Safari, then no, heck no, whatever. Those are a dime a dozen. Okay. But if it's something that has like an LE card or something like that, mm. and it's a, a type of package that they don't sell anymore. Like, you know how Visconti had those like old packages with a little drawer with the oh, instruction? Yeah. Like, if someone gave me one of those, like, I would keep that. Like, okay. it's <laughs> sentimental and it's point in time, I guess. I don't have one of those, but... Okay. Uh, that's a scenario where I would probably keep the box. Okay. But uh, no, unless the uh, box is particularly cool or... You're not just keeping it by default, though. No, I, I have fewer than 10 boxes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I do keep some that are just fun. Like, I brought one of my recent favorites. Oh, this yeah. This is my brown box. Oh, okay. This yeah. one, I, I, I would not get rid of this one because this one goes with... It goes with your lime brown safari. Yes. This goes with. This is definitely like a special thing. Yes, though. I've got my little brown bear and my brown <laughs> safari, and I love them so much. Oh yeah. Um, and this was a gift, um, from my friend Becky, and this one, like, look at that, boom, brown. brown. I cannot say no to this. So this one's gonna chill with me, for perpetuity. Yeah. Um, and then of course it's got like a little. Got the little bear face on there, and then and then if you ever end up gifting gifting this to someone else, for sure it can never be thrown right away. out of my cold dead hands. <laughs> <laughs> but look, it's got like a little bear pocket. Yeah, and he goes in. Yeah. It's a bear. <laughs> I love it. Nice. So yeah, this is one that I that I would never part ways with. Okay, I could see that. That makes sense. Um, Sentimental and limited in nature. Yeah, I. I'm going to take over the question now because it feels like you're at a natural Dunzo. conclusion. Okay. Um, I When I started out, I used to keep almost everything. I quickly realized that was unsustainable. Um, so I have quite a few pens, uh, quite a few pens in my collection. And even in paring down which boxes I keep, it is still like a project to manage them. Um, in fact, we have a like storage shelf up here where we keep our like spare um, like boxes, like cardboard boxes for shipping and all that. And I keep most of my extra pen boxes in like one of those 18 quart tubs. So you've got a few. And I have multitude of tubs. I'm not gonna say double digits of tubs, but it's probably getting close to that. Um, like I filled up two more tubs just with the pens that I, even paring it down just with the ones that I um, cataloged since, since COVID recent, when I did that recent thing. Which is like three years worth of pens, so that's it's it's a good number. Where are of they going to go? I'm going to store them up in. The so what area. Julie Cat is asking specifically, like, yeah. what do you do like storing them away? What do so, you do? Yeah, I store I store them away. Um, I'm very rarely like going back and referencing the box. Like I might keep it nearby my desk if it's something special and we're talking about it in the pen cast and we're going to shoot a video or something like that. Yeah. But then I'll quickly kind of store it away. And so it's if not this everything. were your home, like if you were Julie cat, would this be in a, so it's in a, in a, you know, a rubber tub up in the attic is, probably. This is what's yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably like, or yeah. And like the 
a corner of my shed or something. One you of know. your one of your three the nice one shed, the, probably the nicer shed. <laughs> yeah, though I don't know who who knows where it would end up. I mean, it's hard for me to separate out what where would I be storing this if I wasn't like who I am in the pen business because I it's it's impossible to separate myself out of what I am doing right now. Um, but I, w- I would like to think that my inclination would be somewhat similar. Um, I think I was more inclined to actually keep more of the boxes earlier on because I was like, well, I'm going to need this for like historical reference or whatever. And that's like a small factor now. So basically what my strategy is now, if I have duplicate boxes of things, I don't keep the duplicates. So there are times where it's it's interesting to see, especially like this is not something so much like for a pen cast or whatever, or like to show like publicly, but even internally, some one of the photographers just sneezed. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. Um, but uh, I think that, uh, you know, we have referenced old packaging and stuff, whether it's for like our warehouse folks or customer care or something like that, where it's like, oh yeah, remember like one notable box when the black matte pilot vanishing point first oh, came out. Oh yes, it was like in this black border box. Do you still have one of those? I have it somewhere. Oh yeah, so I'm pretty sure like that's a good example. If I had felt like going and crawling up into the place, I maybe would have talked about it here, but I didn't. Um, so that's an example of like that's a cool box they did. It was like it, it basically was like a stretched plastic. And they put the pen in there. So when you close, like it was like a clamshell type thing, you closed mm-hmm. it up. It looked like the pen was just floating yeah. in the box. You can it was get, so cool. You can get smaller versions of that. Like I've seen, there's somebody out there that I think uh, is a nib grinder that actually sells their nibs in m- miniature versions of oh, those. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, I wish I could remember who it was, but I've, you can definitely get them. Like you, okay. can, you can buy those oh, yeah, styles I mean, of packages. Totally something that can be done. Yeah, so I, haven't like, seen, I haven't seen a big one in a while. So but, like that was cool. So yeah. like I wanted to keep one of those, right? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I did somewhere. Um, so I try to keep that kind of stuff just for interesting historical purposes, but I'm not keeping it for every pen. Like me personally, I'm kind of like you. I'm like, well, I'm planning on keeping my pens. Yeah. I don't plan to resell any of them. If I planned on reselling some of them, like I have my Conid bulk filler box. Like I'm not going to get rid of that. That's very special. Um, and they're not around, but I'm not mm-hmm. going to resell it. Like I'm not planning. I don't plan on selling any of my pens. I sold a handful one time so I could get some money to get my Urushi work done on my 912. Okay. Uh, but other than that, no, they're, they're sticking with me. Um, Do you feel like I don't spend a lot of time? And this is maybe something y'all in the comments can can speak to more than we can because we only sell new stuff. Do you know if something has a box versus doesn't have a box? Does that make like a really meaningful difference in terms of like its value in the secondhand market or does it really depend on the type of pen and that kind of a thing? I can imagine where it would it matter. It probably depends on the type of more pen. More for some pens than like, others. Again, like the if it's like a Twisby or a, or a Lamy, probably not so much. Yeah, because I see like new old stock. Like I, th- I think something like new in the box that like hasn't been used before, being in the box speaks to its newness yeah. or n- lack of being usedness. But I mean, like an old pen that's been used for years and years and years, if it still has the original box, I don't feel like I really see a lot of that. Making no, to a big me, difference. to me, it would influence me in knowing that maybe it was kept in the box. Maybe its use was lower. Um, and it, it, it does yeah. speak to a little bit of the owner. Like 
if the owners kept the box after all these years, that says something about just their habits. Yeah. So there, I think there's some intangible benefits Maybe that like you could a certain price point it read into. Yeah, yeah. Like if somebody had a Safari from 20 years ago, and it was just not like a super special edition, but just like a Safari. Mm-hmm. If it had the box, would that really matter? To I think you? that's kind of a big deal. Like if yeah. if someone kept a box after 20 years, like that tells me that that pen, if that either pen, that pen has no mileage or that mm. person is a very cautious, intentional, careful collector. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it would influence my me personally in buying one. Yeah, okay. But there, there, there's something to be said for that. I mean, I think that I'm thinking about other things that I buy, not in the fountain pen world. Mm-hmm. I don't keep the boxes for anything because... You weren't one of those people that like got a bunch only... of DVDs and put them in like a case logic binder, were you? I didn't buy a lot of DVDs, <laughs> but yeah, I was more inclined to do that. What? Sure. Yeah, oh no, maybe. I had the cases for everything. I had a... those. So okay, DVDs. I would I would keep all the cases or like video okay. games or okay. something. Like C- CDs. CDs. Did you put those in a case with the little. Yeah, uh, I would put those in a case. Yeah, logic type I never thing. had many. I hadn't. I didn't have enough to do that. See, okay, that's actually a pretty good, like, somewhat comparable thing because it's a small enough object where you CDs were keep... cheaper. But DVDs weren't. So, like, you kept your DVDs, but not your CDs. No, I kept all the cases for my CDs, too, I oh. think, if I'm not mistaken. We're going back a ways. Yeah. I haven't bought a CD in 20-some years. So, and I even then, I didn't buy a whole ton of them um, because I was totally buying royalty-appropriate music in the, you know, late Would n- Lars 90s Ulrich and be mad at you? Uh, I may or may not <laughs> have anything to talk about that. Um, no, but I think... That's a pretty good that's a pretty good thing for me to think about because I mean I buy like stuff for the house and tools and stuff like that. I'll usually hang on to the original packaging like for the return window period right for if there's a problem but then after that I'm like I got room to store this junk and I'll get rid of the package. What about those stupid like accessories that go into the corner mystery kitchen cabinet like if you had like a waffle iron or a sandwich press you keep the boxes for those dumb things though don't you no heck really i do what why just because they store easily and they stack easily and i never use them so they're they're all in the uh like the griddle is still in its box the waffle iron the mickey waffle iron still in this box because those are like those are i have one closet in the uh, laundry room that has like my tool bag and the light bulbs and things like that oh yeah and then there's a space below it that all that crap's just in and it's all stacked interesting because they don't get used very often but keeping in the box makes it so i can stack them if they weren't in the boxes oh boy that thought has never crossed my mind yeah it's only keep the you like kitchen i think it's because most of that stuff comes with like all these extra accessories and stuff oh yeah they're kind of just flopping around in the box i I can't (laughs) deal with having to put that back in the box every time i use it but I would just look at that. I would look at the pantry or whatever and look in there and be like, I'm not digging out. I would have pulling it out of a box. Forget if I it. didn't have my griddle in the box, I would have nowhere to put it. It would look so it would look even worse in that closet than it already does. I've got I've got one of those electric griddle things. Right. But what, like I don't have it's space just like for leaning it. up next to like my pots and pans. It's just like I've got this one little spot. It kind of. slides Yeah, in. we don't have space like we got to have them in boxes just for. Space, see, the box spatial. takes up more space, though, but, but it's, it's in a different place. Yeah. OK, yeah. I can see that. I don't have a good place if to store I, If I snapped my fingers like and everything that was stacked in boxes became unboxed, it would, just be it would be all, all over your a, kitchen. atrocious. Yeah, that's fair. 
since you're storing a different location. Okay, so this is a total tangent, <laughs> but I mean. Well, if someone's keeping their pens in boxes, then I guess that's one way to store them. See, I, I am referencing my pens all the time. So keeping them in boxes to me would be untenable. No, that, that, I don't you actually know? think Especially that's Especially because idea. like different colors of pens in boxes that all look identical. Yeah. That would be maddening. And I'm, no. a, I'm a super visual person too. Like, I mean, I am going back to like a, a either like a kitchen. It, the perfect kitchen to me would be like no kitchen doors. It would look ugly, but I could see everything. We have glass on ours. See, Rachel and I have talked about doing that. We don't have glass. Yeah. And, you know, we have certain things. Like if I go, if I open up the pantry, like not the full pantry, but like the, the cabinet that has like tea and like that kind of stuff, it's horrifying. Oh, no. Luckily, because that one's like, not glass. I don't know what's in there. So some of ours are glass. <laughs> some of them are. The ones above the range are not glass. And that's where we have the tea and my three, and like my re- three mini waffle irons. recipe books that were given to you by somebody. That and... one, that one is atrocious. I'm glad that one's covered. Yeah. So we, the ones that are glass, we just make sure that those kind of stay more or less neat. Um, See, I, I would, I would, yeah. So I'm a visual person. I would love it to just have everything visual. So that's yeah. why like pens coming out of boxes is a no brainer for me. Yeah. Even if it's like a collectible pen and I'm, and I even plan on writing with it, I'm still gonna take it out of the box and I'm gonna use it, but yeah. I'll keep the box. So anyway, I'm going on so many tangents yeah, this, here, this one's a long but, one. but my whole point about this is basically if, if, if there's something, anything notable and like non-disposable about an inexpensive pen case, I'll keep like one of them and then toss the rest okay. just so I have an example of it. You know, like a Twisby is a perfect example. Sure the box and that's that's a good example because the box is way nicer than it should be for the price point that it is you know it's disproportionate but most other most other ones like regular lami safaris and stuff like that i'm tossing those boxes so fast i do keep the swipe boxes though because all that random stuff that comes in there like i just i've thrown out all my i kept one swipe box throughout all the rest but i keep all the extra accessories right for me keeping all the accessories in the boxes is just see i file all my accessories separately Oh, so like I have. A I whole, don't have room for that. Well, I have a whole bin of spare converters, and I have a whole bin of cartridges and other like tools and pen cleaning. Tools I have. And I have. Like I have that. arranged uh, boxes for that for work purposes, like right. spare stuff. I've like yeah, you've yeah, seen yeah. those boxes. Oh, yeah, but yeah. for my personal stuff, I don't have any storage for that, so I just keep them in the boxes. Well, my personal stuff is my business stuff, so that's like kind of what I'm talking about yeah. here. So yeah, I mean, I am not. I am not physically adhered to the business like my, my the core of my being is not attached true, to the true. business in name so yeah, i'm, yeah, I'm yeah. in a little Makes bit sense. different circumstance so i'm i'm really not keeping many of the inexpensive like i would probably use like a hundred dollars as a pretty decent price point for cutoff if it's more expensive than that i'm more inclined to keep the box um but even then it's kind of like like using pilot like vanishing point stuff as an example i don't keep every pilot vanishing point box anymore i will keep the limited edition ones so if there's something that's limited edition, especially if it like has a number that's associated with the pen. I will keep that. I don't know why, probably just for collectability, but I do keep all those. And I will keep any special boxes, mm-hmm. like truly, like truly unique, truly special boxes where the box itself is something cool and worth yeah. keeping on its own. Yeah, that's what I do. Then I'll keep those. Sure. But that's about it. But for me, that's just a lot of them because I have a lot of pens. Yes, you do. Um, and you asked me to bring one special box. I did. I brought my brown, my brown orange. You brought box. your brown orange, so I brought one too. What you got? This is a limited edition. Um, is that an Amiki Pilot Rodden Toki? Oh. So this was a special anniversary pen. I still got this one in the like in brown, the box box. With the, it's got paper. Dang. You know? All right. So I'm gonna take the whole thing out here. I don't have the pen in here. This is just the box. 
So the box itself, this is like the outer box, lifts off. Ooh. It's got like cloth here. It's got wood in this like octagonal shape. With hinges. Like and wooden it's got hinges. Wooden hinges. Wow. And then you open it up. It's got an ink in here. I got all the literature and all that kind of stuff. It's got a nameplate wow. with engraving. Like, I feel like I'm throwing out part of the pen if I'm throwing this oh, out. Oh, yeah. No, you cannot throw that away. You know that what would I mean? be so a like, crime. This is the, and this is like definitely a more special, you know, box for a more special pen. Yeah. This kind of stuff I'm keeping. Definitely. But like these days, this is kind of what it takes to be like, yeah, I'm going to keep that. Everything else I'm like, eh. It's like gotten to the point where it's like, it's not convenient for me to store this. Or even if I have stored it for like other pens, I'm like, I stored that eight years ago. I'd never pulled that thing back out. Yeah. That it's was like, gone. <laughs> when I, when I bought that Leonardo, uh, that, uh, um, Visconti Divina, uh, Leonardo Machina and had that big thing. I just threw oh, that. Yeah. yeah. just chucked it out into the dumpster. I just, it, it was too, it was unwieldy, just unwieldy. I just took it to the soccer field and boom. Right. Yeah, of course. No, I don't have one of those. All right, Drew. All right, let's round this out. From the Brandimator. The Brandimator is asking mm. if Brian had to write with a brown ink <gasps> and Drew had to write with a blue ink, which would you choose? Hey, yo, it's opposite day. We both like brown and blue. Like, let's... let's. We do. We ham it up a little bit yeah, for the show. I love blue. I give Drew a hard time about liking brown. And other and things. He genuinely and does. Other things. He genuinely does like brown more than I understand, but um, I don't. I don't dislike brown. It's like the whole cake versus pie debate. Yeah. It's like I love like, I love I, pie. Yeah. Let me I'm not going to turn down a pie. No, but cake's better. But I'm going to take cake every time. Yeah. Um okay, so I tend myself, I tend towards a preference of like darker, more chocolatey browns. Mm. Probably because I like chocolate. Um but I don't know. I just in general, pretty much any color, I prefer like the darker, more saturated colors. That's that's nothing special. Yeah. Um so some of my favorites, Diamond Chocolate Brown. Yep. It's like a perfect like Hershey your, your recommendation for that ink got it, it got me adding it onto the uh, best oh. inks in every color uh, oh, well there you go thing we did yep. that's a good that one because of you yep diamond chocolate brown noodler's walnut noodler's brown just the straight up mm. brown um, private reserve chocolate I mean it's pretty easy I love using walnut there's, wood there's I, a there's a two of these trend here chocolate <laughs> well it's, a, it's it's because it's like an undeniably appropriate name for that thing so um, you know well-performing, all nice dark brown colors, very saturated. Great work. I think dark brown and dark purple, maybe dark green too, are like some of the best like work safe alternate ink colors. If you've been using just like blue and black. Definitely and dark you green. you like need to venture outside of that. Yeah. I would say, I mean, dark green is definitely more interesting. I think dark brown is probably like the next like safest appropriate. Mm. And then you go dark green. And then if you want to get wild, going yeah. like dark purple. Gray is also a good alternative. Gray is a good one too. Yeah. 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 yeah fair enough. Um, other brands that have other browns that I find interesting, but I, you know, just don't find myself maybe using quite as much uh, are more like the sepia tone browns. Oh, yeah. Um, those are really nice. And I always find them pleasing, but I'm never like grabbing them to fill in my pens as much as. I would think, um, you know, especially like using those on off white paper because it kind of gives that like old timey yeah, kind of look. That's cool. So I do like that look. I like using that for correspondence. Um, so getting like a nice off white correspondence paper with a sepia tone brown, it just looks so classy. Um, and so uh, Urban Lee Dete is one of my favorites. 
really good shading on that one. Um, Noodler's Golden Brown, kind of in the same vein, but that's a more saturated color. Uh, Robert Oster Cafe Crema, that's a good one. Yep. And uh, Diamine Golden Brown. So all of those kind of fit into that sepia type category. And there's a bunch of other ones that are all very similar to that. Um, red browns and copper browns, I'm not, you know, I'm more picky about those. I'm not as drawn to just like the straight up red browns. It's a more, it's a pretty popular color family, but I just personally, it just doesn't ring my bell. I love them. Like yeah? Monteverde Canyon Russ and okay. Diamine Ancient Copper. I ancient love, copper. love, I, love them. However, I, like I, ancient I don't use them because they <laughs> barnacle on me. Yeah? I don't use them. Okay. They do and it makes me so sad because I love the colors so much. Yeah. But they just always crustify on it's me. It's just something about that color mm-hmm. family. It's, it's the whatever the red aspect yep. is that they get added to it. Yeah, that's what it is. That's fair. That's I'm just fair. like, it's just not worth it. If I was yeah. using them every day, then sure, I could keep things flowing. Yeah, you, you, know? you would have to use it more regularly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And then I didn't personally choose many like shimmering browns. There aren't many. There aren't many. There are a few. Shogun. Um, yeah, and then uh, Urban did one. Uh, Shogun. Is that the one? Or um, That is one that they did, yeah. Maybe. I can't remember. Unless you're thinking of... Uh, um, I don't think it's... Oh, no, no, you're I'm thinking, thinking of... of uh, um, it was the Karub the Sheep. Yeah, that one. So it's a really nice color, but I'm never like grabbing that. Yeah. Something about like shimmer and a brown, I'm like... It's just, it's weird to yeah. me. Uh, yeah. they, they, this, this one, the uh, Diamine uh, Winter Spice or Holiday Spice. Mm. Winter Spice, Holiday Spice. Winter Holiday Spice. Winter Spice. Um, this one has a little bit. And if you if you want to look there, it's got a little bit of a green shimmer, but it's very okay. light. Okay. So that's one that I think brown with shimmer really works. Okay. Because it's super faint. It's almost more of a sheen than It shimmer. is. It is. They say shimmer and sheen on it, but I okay. really only see uh, sheen. So either they're lying or oh, it's I really see light. Now. Yeah. Yeah, it's light. When not, the light hits it right. It's yeah. not a lot though. So It's I'm, very subtle. That's what I like. Okay. That's a very appropriate name for what that ink looks like. I know. Like. I really like it. This has been like my holiday ink of choice. See, I would never, I would never grab that and fill my pen with it though. But like it looks nice. It looks so nice. But I'm just not gonna like. Mm. That's the kind of thing I'd write with it for like two lines and be like, yeah, all right, I'm done with that. <gasps> I mean, just right. I don't know. I'm not very Winter adventurous. Spice. I just I like blue so much. I can't help it. <laughs> just embrace that about myself over the years. Um, okay, cool. What about you, Drew? You got some notes in here. Oh yeah, I like blue. Blues. I like blue. Yeah. I tend to when I'm going after blues, I always gravitate toward the sheening blues. Like I, ever oh, since I good, found Majestic Blue, Diamond Majestic Blue, that was like the first blue that I was like, <gasps> what? And that was it's time, so good. That was one of the blues that stood out as a sheening blue at a time yeah. when sheening was not something people it were It wasn't a about. thing, no. Yeah. It's like the OG sheener. Yeah. And then uh, I write with Naples Blue, PR Naples Blue a lot. Okay. That's like the cartridges that I have. So I write like with a those. lighter, lighter color blue. It's more No, like no, a, it's a darker blue. Naples well, it, blue? in the pen that I use it is. Um, but, uh, and it's, and it's a heavy sheener too, but, and again, and, and I'm also using polar lighter, not not in my pen. It's not, it's always darker in my pen. Okay. Um, dark sheener. Uh, maybe it's just the pen. It's lighter than majestic blue for sure. Yeah. Maybe my pen's just always saturated because it's just putting down a lot of ink or it's sitting around for a long time. But anyway, um, it's a beautiful blue. I like it. But it does sheen, and sheen doesn't dry. Polar blue, mm. uh, polar glow. I love it. It sheens heavily, and it doesn't dry. So I need to just stop using the blue sheeners, even though I love them. <laughs> they don't treat me well. If you want that sheen? You're gonna pay I know, for it. But they're still smudgy. They're all smudgy. So mm-hmm. it, 
I do like the look of those, but if I had to pick an ink, um, so it says that if we had to write with a blue or brown ink, like I would gladly write with a blue ink, but if I had to pick just one blue ink, I'd probably go with the old Compeki because that's a good one. It is it is maintenance free. It's easy flowing and it's also vibrant. So is, yeah. where where like it's vibrant, but it's not like make your eyes bleed. Right, but it, but like if there was a Venn diagram of vibrance and maintenance, yeah. you know, and they there are a lot of them that are very one or like no, sorry, I guess it wouldn't be a Venn diagram because a lot of the times vibrance equals maintenance. So I don't know what sort right. of graph I need to have to show that, but I think that it's like whatever a, it's like a seesaw. Yeah, whatever that graph is, like you know. Um, Maybe it's an axis. Maybe, uh, maybe it's just an X and Y axis. And Compeki is right there in the middle, mm-hmm. where it's both vibrant and low maintenance. Um, mm-hmm. Not not extremely vibrant, but also not extremely low maintenance. So I yeah. do like that one as a good, good, good looking blue ink that does not. You don't have to forsake vibrance for maintenance. You don't have to forsake whatever. You don't have to get yeah. maintenance. Vibrance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Everybody, everybody knows what you're saying, except you. Yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> so that that that's a good go-to. I Although there were several comments. I don't know if it was somebody picking their favorite. It was you. Uh, when you were talking about your favorite blue ink, there were some, a lot of comments, and there were mm. at least two people in YouTube land that said Dimine Oxford Blue is their go-to. Hmm. And I've been meaning to try that one, one. I've never written with Oxford Blue. I've written with uh, China Blue. Um, and then, yeah, that was um, forgettable. and then PR American blue, I like, uh, but yeah, Oxford blue, uh, there are a lot of people that are big fans of that it, as, as like a, a deep, I know, color. I know. And I, and I keep telling myself I'm going to write with that. And I haven't pulled the trigger on that yet, but I'm going to, I'm really excited about trying. You Oxford won't regret blue. it. That's a good. That's All a right. Good, well, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll round back, uh, come back around and let you guys know how let's hassle, Oxford Drew. Blue. Let's hassle Drew about that. He's got to ink up some Oxford blue. Yeah. Let's do it. That's a good one. So yeah, Compecky now. Maybe Oxford Blue later. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. All right. That's it for questions. Let's uh, do a pen spotlight, shall we? All right, Drew. We're going to spotlight a pen that's not new. I don't even know if we sell this color still. Was this a special edition or what? I don't know. The Ion Green? You should check. I didn't research anything. Oh, yeah, it we is got, a special, we got the Dark Green. It's, it's a, special a special edition, edition, but yeah, it's still there. We still got it. Oh, we're right. doing the whole thing. No, okay. we don't. Yeah, we don't you want to show it? You can show it. What the okay. heck? Give people something to see. All right. Look at that giant wound on your hand. What'd you do? Oh, I got a story about that. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll get that later. All okay. right. All right, cool. You ready? There it is. Let's look at, let's talk about that nib. Well, no, let's go to the exterior first. What are we looking at here? So Lamy Ion. So it's uh, it's an all metal pen, which is not necessarily the case for Lamy because a lot of them, they have plastic, yeah. especially in the lower price ones. But you know, they've got the studio and they've got some other metal ones, right? Um, this you, did, is a, you didn't unthread that, did it's you? It's a longer pen. No, it's a snap cap. Snappy. So it snaps. It's got this little ridge right here, which is, that's what is actually doing the, the snapping. That's oh. what's holding the cap on there, um, which is fun. So it's a, it snaps on, but then on the back, it pushes to post. It doesn't, it's not like the most solid pushing. You got the posting. You got to like push it on there a little bit. Um, and it's a pretty long pen. So I don't know that most people would necessarily be so inclined to mm-hmm. want to post it. Um, me personally, I don't post this pen very much cause I do feel like I have to cram it on there and it's so long, even with my big hand, I find it very comfortable to use just as it is. We were talking about how it might be a little front weighted. So the, yeah, the, I feel like does it is posting help balance. That I mean, out? posting definitely does add more back weight to it. Um, and the cap itself is not super heavy. Do you prefer it front weighted like that? Um, like without the cap? 
I don't know. I, I prefer the, the the weight of the pen without the cap on it, honestly. If I'm going to have any weighting on my pen, I would prefer to, I mean, I like balanced pens, but I would prefer front weighting to back weighting. Oh, absolutely. Personally. So I'm, I, I don't mind leaving it unposted at all. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, so it's really easy to cap and uncap. Um, I, it's got an insert in there, but I don't feel like it seals maybe quite as well as some of the other pens, mm-hmm. um, which is one thing I know that, you know, some people have, you know, a little bit more of an issue with this pen, um, maybe drying out a little bit. It's not a huge issue, but it's a little bit maybe more something that's brought up than some of the other models. The nib itself is a different shape. Like the wings are more rounded. Yeah. A little less triangular. I mean, that's obviously still pointed. Um, And that was part of the design of the pen. Um, So Lamy, when they have pen designers that come on, they like to have designers that uh, don't do anything in the pen space. They're like known for designing other things. Um, And I am failing to remember who the designer was that designed this pen, but that was the case here. So they went with something they obviously incorporated, you know, the Lamy feel, but it's a a very different looking Lamy pen than some of their other ones. Um, So they designed this nib. They wanted to still fit the nibs on here. So you can still swap out all of the other Lamy nibs. You know, they're just friction fit on there, but the look is slightly different. I don't find that it writes much different, you know, so the grind and everything is fairly similar. It's just the way that they cut the wings uh, is slightly different. So that is something notable about the Ion. Um, I do like the overall design of it. I find it to be very appealing. You know, I like the kind of like sort of a two-tone yeah, they're, like finish that you get. It's not polished aluminum, but it's also... It's definitely brushed. Like this right, is brushed but here. But it's a different type. There's, there's two different types of matte metals. Well, this is... Yeah, you've got like a brush. And the way it's brushed, it's brushed around the diameter as opposed to like the Lamy 2000. The brushing is like along the length of the pen. Mm-hmm. This one is like kind of curled around it. Um, so it's got a little bit different feel to it. It's very subtle. Um, but the light kind of hits it different. But this is more just like a straight up matte finish. So it's it's much more even. There's no, it's not like a, um, you know, here almost you can like tell a, there's Almost like a satin strokes. finish. Yeah, it's like a satin finish, which I actually really like a lot because I'm generally not a huge fan of metal grip sections. But this one is great because it almost feels rubbery. In mm-hmm. fact, I almost thought it was rubber when I first used it, but it's it's not. It's, yeah. it's just straight up metal. You getting it there? Mm-hmm. Um, so I really, really like, really like the like, in hand feel of this because you feel almost sort of like a softness like you would if there was something rubber but you don't have to worry about there actually being anything rubber that might get damaged or wear away there's no step to it so that i love about the way the cap design is you can hold your pen anywhere on here it's a very slight taper of a grip and it's super comfortable to hold pretty much no matter how we hold your pen so that i really like about this and uh you know it uses all the same Lamy proprietary cartridge converter, all that kind of stuff. Um, not eyedropper convertible or anything uh, because it's a metal pen and it would, you know, possibly corrode with the ink and stuff like that. But, you know, you can refill your, refill your cartridges or use your uh, converters or whatever. And That's that a good looking pen. It's a good looking pen and it doesn't, it honestly doesn't get as much love as I think that it should. Um, the clip too is very oh, simple. It's very straightforward. No, it's all right. And it's a uh, spring loaded too, so that's very pleasant to use. And this is right in the same price point as the Studio. Yeah, seventy one twenty. So, pen. so it's, I, it's I will not say, like an intro pen, you know. So I think it just gets overshadowed by the Safari. This green one I would buy before most Studios, I think. Okay. But I think it's mostly the green, like this specific color. I think is better than a lot of the Studios out there. 
See, we've had they did a blue one before too, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. Like the colors have been yeah. pretty good, and honestly, a little more vibrant than you might expect with some of the Lamy. I wouldn't buy the black over any of the studios, though. Fair enough. I think it's it's right neck and neck with the studio for me. I think that both both that and the studio have some pros and cons. Mm. Like this one, I like the clip way better than the studio. Yeah, but I like the balance better on the studio. I like the grip better on this than I do the studio. See, for me, the studio, the the grip is so tapered. Yeah, that it's not as comfortable. For I like me. this better. Yeah, and the grip is it's a it's it's but definitely like, better if you have bigger hands. But I like the weight on the studio because this one is really the the barrel of this is very the, lightweight. The studio is heavier. Yeah, and it feels like more dense. I like that. Yeah, okay. but I don't like the clip. I like this clip. Is a better clip. I wish they could combine this in the studio. And I like the spring, you know, it's not a tension clip, it's a yeah. spring clip. No, so I like that like, clip a lot. Yeah, it's a little more functional. And I like the overall shape of this better than I than better than the studio. Yeah. I want the I want the weight of the studio, I guess, and the form factor of this. Now, how do you feel about this, Drew? This is I know I know you feel about pens when they're posted. This mm -hmm. is really annoying, but like any magnetic cat pen mm -hmm. or any like clip clickable pen like this, like it's it spins around pretty easily inside here. Does that bother you? Um, if it's indicative of it seems a like seal, something that would bother you, which is why I'm asking. No, not really. I mean, it makes me... it's, a, it's a little weird. That is something that I will say. The if whole I... rest of the pen feels so solid. Yeah. And again, this is not a knock on the pen at all, but because what is rotating? So it's the whole pen. I is mean, it literally? Is, the, is there? There's not the an cap inner... is gripping this yeah. little this little edge here. And then this whole rest of the pen is like able yeah. to spin. Yeah, I was wondering if maybe it was spinning an inner cap as well. Or I don't think just, so. It doesn't no. feel like that. I mean, here. Yeah, that that would that does bother. There's me not a lot of bit. tension there, so no. well, that I, might be I that. could see where that would feel like it's not as solid of like a build quality thing. But I know yeah. that that's not the case. But it's clicking in there. It's getting a good oh, it's you a know firm connection. Clip, and yeah. I've never had any issue with it. Like not clicking or yeah. anything like that but i could see that as being more of a perception thing yeah it's like a hand feel thing mm -hmm. and then the posting could be more solid yeah this pen hasn't quite caught on it really hasn't which is part of why we wanted to feature it today because we'd love to get your feedback if you got one of these or if you've been curious about it but we want to just give it a little love feature it out there in case you've been like kind of bored of some of the other lamy options you haven't given this one a shot you know give it a look because i think it's it's worth a second a second chance i really do like the form factor though and i love this color yeah i just wish i could pull some of the studio elements and just slap them on here that's fair enough you want like a love child between I the do. studio and the ion i do let's get them together fair enough fair enough all right that's the spotlight for this week let's move on nextly to the what's happening All right. Nonsense time. Nonsense time. So Christmas has come and gone. New Year's happened. It did. It's a new year. Oh, and yeah. It's 2023 now. What? It is. The world? Welcome. What in the world? To 2D2D3. Uh, we did have a Christmas slash New Year's party. Our friends Rick and David threw a thing, and we went there. We had some delicious okay. foods and mm -hmm. uh, Archer uh, um, read comic books in one of their... Um, side rooms which is very cozy wood paneling fire like Ooh. they decorate a ton but mm. he was in there and uh you know i take my breaks from social engagements from time to time and having a kid always allows me to just kind of like escape be like ah, i'm gonna go check on the kid and i just kind of get to mm. chill away from people and i'm sitting there talking to him he's playing with his transformers and i see that uh they have just a massive glass like vase of coins just like random pocket change 
So I go up, I'm like, hey, David, can I dump out all your coins and look for things, <laughs> you know, prior to 1964? He's like, uh. That is such a nerd move right there. But sure. I love it. I love but it. of course, I got to be like, yeah, Archer's really curious, you know. But no, I'm, I'm picturing you like Dwight at the like that's why that, that was me. Yeah, like, going around. Can I go up on your roof and check <laughs> your gutters? <laughs> like, <laughs> so I come back. I'm like, hey, Archer, you want to search for 1964 quarters? And he's like, why? <laughs> oh, he wasn't even on board with it. <laughs> he was like, I was like, because anything before 1964 is silver. It's real silver. And he's like, okay, if that's what you want to do. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Oh, what so a sport. I dumped all of them out. He got into it eventually, but okay, yeah, I was just like. Shannon walked up. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorting these people's quarters. I can so, imagine Shannon just being like, I can't take you anywhere, can I? Are you, are you going to keep them? Like, no, I'm not going to keep them. I just wanted, I want oh, them to know if they have any silver coins. They should know. I so get that. Yeah. I, I would totally do something like that. But I, we just looked through the quarters. They had not a single 64. They had a bunch of 65s, not a single pre-64. And they I probably said, had another guest that came over. Jerk. I and knew it. did that and took, all the, took all the pre-64s. No, so I said. It's the only ne- explanation. I said, next time we're going to look for 1945 nickels. Um, mm. So part two. We'll next see. time. So you're like planning to do this again. Oh, we were there last year too. So uh, you're unless anticipating I, you're getting invited unless, back unless after my, doing this? Unless my antics, yeah, sour, <laughs> soured things. But yeah, so we did that. Uh, New Year's Eve, though, I didn't do anything. Shannon went to Josh and Jeffries and I stayed home with Archer. Uh and we didn't stay up late. No. No, I, not really. It, it was fine. I stayed. We just chilled and played video games. So it's fair. I let him stay up, you know, until he, I was like, hey, just let me know when you're at a good stopping point. And he's like, <laughs> all right, I'm good. It's like, all right, nice. bed. So yeah, uh, my New Year's was fine. Uh, the dogs oh. didn't like the fireworks. So obviously that's a thing. Oh, yeah. That's a thing. Um, although the day after New Year's, the Goulet Pen Company was closed. That's right. So I got the day off. We observed New Year's on yes. the second. Yep. So we got the day off, and uh, Shannon and I spent it together just kind of doing random stuff. We yeah. slept in while I had to take Archer to school, came back. Yeah, it was weird because our kids still had school, but yeah. we were off. I was like, this feels wrong. Yeah. So yeah. I dropped him off, came back. I opened the door. Dogs didn't bark at me. I'm like, they're both one dog, but then the other two dogs are in their crate. I'm like, honey. She's in bed. And she I was like, what are you doing? I thought we were going to go get breakfast. She's like, I've always wanted to do this. Like basically get Archer up and ready and then go right back to, bed. Right to bed. I was like, you know what, girl? Living the dream. You you do you. I'll go downstairs, play some video games. Made a pot of coffee, brought it in to the den, sat on the love sack. I had my carafe, my cream. So I'm like, psh, 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 psh. <laughs> like it was fantastic. And then she finally gets up. We go out for breakfast. Nice. We go walk around the uh, mall and just go in some random stores, come back, chill. It was it was a delightful that day off. That is a day off right It there. really That's was. fantastic. Did did a few things, but uh, yeah, it was a quite a delightful day. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really enjoyable. Um, did get some stuff done. Not a lot of stuff. I didn't get any of my Christmas decorations taken down. They're all they're all still there. Yeah. I'm kind of going to wait till all the neighbors start taking theirs down and be like, all right, we're like the second to the last house that hasn't done it. I guess we got to do it. Yeah. But I brought down the, the the bins from the attic and put them in the middle of the that's, living room. So progress. I'm like, all right, they're there. If anybody yeah. wants to start doing it, you now have the vessels to things do it with. Things happen to find their way in there. If things know. happen to do it, yeah, go for it. Yeah. So they're down there. I did get, um, I think I mentioned this to you because you said you had the same problem. You know how kids pull the towels off the... Ra- the oh, yeah. And, yeah. So I fixed that. Um, had mm-hmm. to put a couple new anchors in the left side. The right side, though, toothpicks. 
did it just fine. Nice. Shove a couple of toothpicks in there, but oh, nice and tight now. All right. So that Until worked. the next time it gets pulled, yeah. I, well, absolutely. I fully expect. I was like, Arch, remember, this thing is meant to hold towels, yeah. not the weight not of- Not the weight of a child yes. swinging from a towel. Yeah. So yeah, I got that done. And then I went, so unlike you with your 90 sheds, I have um, but one small, it's like a, uh, it's attached to the back of the house. You can't access, access it from the front of the house, but it is attached to the house. Probably like a- uh, maybe a six by five, um, room unit unit. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So I have my folding workbench there nice. and then another shelf with, uh, you know, random kayaking gear and inflatable random crap for the backyard. And then mm. another drawer for spray paint and paint and stuff. Nice. I took everything out, took everything out of there, swept cleaned. Wow. Um, the exterminators had left some mouse traps in there. Did not like seeing those. Um, mm. Put everything back. Neater, more organized. I was very nice. proud of myself for doing that. All right. And it was a really nice weekend to do it too. Yeah, because so nice. It was, in Virginia uh, I, this weekend? The thing that sucked though was like, I've been telling myself, w- expecting it to never happen, the next pretty day, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and do I'm this. I'm going to do that. And I'm, like, like, I'm like, hey, it's January. It's not going to be a pretty day. But I was like, oh, no. It was what, like 65? I know. Like I was like, Drew, you have, so you, nice. you, your empty promises to yourself mean absolutely jack if you don't actually do it today. So I, I <laughs> if I had any semblance of self accountability, I had to. Yeah. So I did. Good for you. I did. Um, and then uh, I, watched another Indiana, Indiana Jones movie. I'd started watching them all in succession. Mm-hmm. So I watched uh, Last Crusade. Um, I think that was Sunday I watched that. So that's the third in the series. Crystal Skull is next. And it is infamous for being very bad. I've only seen it once. Saw it in the theater. Okay. Although it's part of my Blu-ray collection, so I have it. So mm-hmm. I will watch that next, and I'm going into it with an open and positive mindset. Okay. Because that movie gets just destroyed online yeah. and everywhere because people just hate it so much. And I'm sure it can't be as bad. Like it's I probably not that bad. I didn't. I didn't like it when I first saw it, but I had very lofty expectations. I'm. I'm thinking that now it'll probably be more appropriate. I think yeah. so. I think that my expectations. Like I know the bad parts. I'm not going <laughs> to dwell on them. I'm going to see what I can find that is redeemable and enjoyable and fun. I'm going to have mm-hmm. fun with it, and that's going to be that because they've got that new one coming out. So oh, yeah. I want to have right. fresh, fresh stuff in my brain. I've, now, I've never seen Crystal Skull. That's the one I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I mean it. it it has some weird stuff in it and some I haven't I haven't gone out of my way to see it. You don't need to. No, it, it, the CG is unnecessary and mm. uh you know, and watching Last Crusade, you realize like how much more impressive it is nowadays where you know that this, that and that would have been computer generated. They wouldn't have done those practically. Mm. Um right. So going back and watching it is even more fulfilling because yeah, you can tell what's you know, a mat behind it, but like they, they did a matte painting instead of a CG background. So that's equally impressive. Like yeah. the Zeppelin you can tell is fake, but in a way it's more impressive because everything was just more manual. So yeah. I, I enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to the next one. Nice. We'll see. Uh, the new one though coming out is the first one that did not have um, Spielberg writing and Lucas directing. Wow. So it's pretty different. James Mangold is doing it. And that? he is the director of uh, 310 to Yuma, um, what which is, is that? A, that's the Western with uh, Russell Crowe and Christian Bale. 
who are they? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I do know them. Yeah, no, he's he's good. He's a he's a very accomplished director. So that'll okay. be interesting. So cool. High hopes for Indy four five. Indy five. Interesting. And then finally, I used a safety razor on my face. One of the oh. old school Yeah. Okay. Brian K from the Goulet Pen Company. Yep. He got into it. Of course he did. That's because on, that's on brand. Yeah. He's a he's a hobbyist of all sorts. And he brought it. He was like, I guess he just knew that I'm susceptible to these things. You're, you're highly influenced. So he yeah. started talking to me about it. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah tell, <laughs> tell me more. What's that? What's that? What does that mean? And so one day he's like, would you like to learn more? I was like, yes, I would. And he just brings in a bunch of razors, a bunch of different blades. Like, all right, this one's this. This one's that. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, do you want to borrow this? I was like, yeah. It's like, all right, here's a blade. Here's a razor. Took it home. Wow. Uh, didn't destroy my face. Okay. Um, and totally get the appeal. Those razors are like cents. Oh, yeah. They're, you can buy like a pack of 100 for just a couple bucks. Mm. And I totally see the value of that. So if it can cut even, you know, marginally as well as, you know, these overpriced Dollar Shave Club random things that I'm getting, like I'm all mm-hmm. on board for that. I don't want it to become a hobby. Like he was talking to me about soaps and things like that. I was like, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, you can get all. I was like, I don't, like, I'm not going like to do. A, it's like a rabbit hole just like I'm not going to do the badger hair thing i just want i want less to worry about and like a fountain pen i feel like if i can just think of this now fountain pen is a rabbit hole that i got down obviously but i i want this to be as if i didn't work here and a fountain pen was just a more enjoyable sustainable interesting and effective way to write things yeah so so you're not going to like change how much of your life you devote to shaving no but you just want a better experience while you do it. Yes. And seems appropriate. Ideally more affordable. Okay. In the long run. Yeah, that's what I thought about fountain pens too. And boy, is that it yeah. can be done. Well, see, th- th- it th- can be done. Shaving is still something you have to do. Writing is not something you have to do. I mean, you don't have to. You can just grow mange <laughs> out of mm. your face. But yeah, I, 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 know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, no. It's something that if you do nothing, yeah. There will be consequences. Yeah. You know, so you got to, you got to, it's, like a, to- it's it like a toothbrush. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm I, have gonna... a, I have a couple of safety razors. I've never really given it a super fair shake. I have really sensitive skin yeah. here. So I've, I've, you know, I don't know. I got a higher barrier. There, it might actually be better for you. It could be. But I think because I know it's such a rabbit hole, it's been one of those things where I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to go, mm-hmm. not going to go down that right now. Yeah. But I might be safe because I don't. I don't see that as like something I would get. For me, down it's, a rabbit for hole me, it's about. practical because I hate buying razors. I always have. Oh yeah, you feel like you're like, getting scammed. Oh, every time. absolutely. And Dollar Shave Club, they don't even send you a new handle. Like when your old one wears out, I've bought like three handles from them, and I have to pay for them. Like, oh, I don't use them. Do they so. expect me to not wear one out? They're so stupid. And that I did that because I hated buying razors at Target or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's just, it's something I want to not worry about as much. And and mm-hmm. I think this might be able to get me there. Okay. So we'll see. So far, so good. Just done it once, but... Uh, All right. Yeah. What about you? What's going on in the, um, the world of Brian, well, Brian Brain Goblet? I have a transitional question here. Mm. It's a transition from you to me. Okay. You're going to seg your own way? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seg it. All right. Um, New Year's resolutions. Did you... Uh, we talked about it last time. Did you... Think about anything, contemplate anything. Yeah, although no? someone on YouTube, and I forgot your name, I'm sorry, recommended that I not get a Lordstrom five-year, but instead uh, Midori actually makes a five-year journal. Oh. So I'm going to look into that. 
Okay. And that means I get to delay my resolution even longer. Oh, okay. I see your motivation. You just wait for some other brand to come out with you one. Know, you I want to keep forever. my options open. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I didn't like come up with a firm New Year's resolution, but I um, sleep is an issue for me. Mm. So I'm getting more more intentional sleep. I don't have like a hyper-specific like sleep X numbers of a night or whatever, but it's I'm actively talking to doctors about this. So I, I, are you, are, is your I resolution to solve a problem for sleep or to just sleep more? Um, I'm definitely sleep more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So is it more of less, I need to, you know, put myself to bed earlier or my quality of, that, of sleep needs it's, to be improved? Yeah. I'm, I'm like seeing some specialists and things about this. That seems so it's like, yeah. So, so that seems to be not an issue of you actually going to bed. Well, at a good some time. of it might be lifestyle things. Oh, okay. And some of it, I don't, you know, that's why it's like, it's sort of a resolution. It's something that I'm kind of addressing anyway, but like, I know it will take concerted effort on mm. my part. Um, and some of it may be lifestyle things, you know, cause I'm, I'm an excitable person and I basically, I don't know what that's like. I've talked, I've talked before about how, like, basically I don't, I don't want to go to sleep. I basically like do things ad- until you admit defeat yeah. at the end of the day when my body's given up, Yeah, which is fine. But then like, I, it, it doesn't set me up well for the next I day. One might call that unsustainable. I would say so. Yeah. So I'm probably, you know, stress over time. I don't know, related to running a business during a pandemic and you might have just you might have discovered that stuff you might have discovered the age in which that is no longer feasible what you could say one might be approaching in (laughs) an age towards the middle of their life uh where these types of things start to add up over time Mm. and all that kind of stuff so it's it's not like a hyper specific thing but that's good uh, i'm glad to hear that that, yeah i don't want to be like oh lose weight well i I need to do all that stuff too but like i want to say sleep sleep i think is like the key thing i need to work on i want to say that for someone like you who is a driver someone who has built their life and Mm -hmm. you know helped you know the lives of others by being a driver a doer you know yeah it's probably harder for people like you to reach these conclusions and to say let let, let me so i think that yeah no you deserve credit for that i think that's really cool i appreciate that and and yeah, I would prefer it if you stayed alive for, you know, the foreseeable future. I plan to. Good job. Thank you. I plan you. to. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the thing, you know, I've, I, th- I feel like the last couple of years I've casually mentioned a uh, half-baked resolution, but then I end up really accomplishing it quite well with the woodworking and the welding and all that. Those are all past things. That yeah. I've done. So I'm like, well, this kind of falls in the in that vein. Maybe I'll be an awesome sleeper by the end of the year. Who knows? There you go. Um. So kind of you don't, all, you don't halfway do things. I well sometimes I do, oh, but yeah. it's usually obvious when I do. Um, but yeah, last week so I was a little bit under the weather. You were very um, under the weather. I was starting to get there when we did the pencast. Oh, last week during the pencast. Last week you were during a little, the pencast. Oh yes, yes, yes. And yes. then like the next day, it was not good. You went like way under. You went like subterranean. The weather. Yeah, yeah. I don't like being sick. But when I do, I do it all the way. <laughs> so and, just, uh, yeah, you don't do anything. Happen. I was basically like laid out for like five straight days. Yeah. Rachel I mean, was saying that like you were just falling asleep all over the house. Yeah. I would like come and do our morning standups virtually because I didn't want to like bring anything into the office. And then after the standups, I was like completely drained and I would fall asleep for two hours. And I was like, OK, maybe something's wrong, you know, because I was like, you know, you, I'm like, I will power through, you know, that's like my default mode. But like when it's that hard to just like function awake, 
doing anything, I'm like, I think I'm sick, you know? And I had like kind of a sore throat. I never had a fever. I never had any of that stuff. I tested no, no, no COVID, any of that kind of stuff. Um, it's just something just, you know, whatever's going around, there's a lot of people getting colds and all that kind of stuff. Something just got me and it just zapped all my energy. That was like my primary thing. So it's like, it's really frustrating when that kind of thing happens. And you and I were talking offline. It was like, it's sort of like, feels like somebody's like coming in and like taking all your stuff. That's what I said. Yeah. You're like, somebody's just like taking my energy. Like I normally <laughs> have way more to do yeah. things with. And you're like, and now I have nothing to do anything with. Like yeah. where, who took my stuff? Yep. Who took the things that I use to get through life? Yeah. And it was so frustrating because I had a relatively light week. You know, a lot of my meetings were canceled and that kind of stuff. So the weather was beautiful. I had all <sighs> these opportunities to like catch up on things or do stuff around the house or take down decor, all this stuff. I had no energy for any of that. So I basically was just like a lump for yeah. like five straight days, which is <sighs> awful. But I tried not to beat myself up too much about it. And yeah. uh, so I just slept a lot. And that was like, okay. Yeah, Look at that. You're already sleeping. sleeping thing, sleeping better. I am, but it's like, I need to sleep better when it doesn't like take that to make. Well, it you didn't happen, have a choice. You, know? you need to sleep better when it is your choice. Yeah, exactly. Not when you're just exactly. on the death's door. I know, exactly. So anyway, I leaned into it, got a lot of sleep, feeling way better. And it was like kind of the thing, like, I think, it, I think I was getting sick for like several days and kind of powering through. But once I finally like truly gave out and I was like, I don't feel like myself. And then once like Sunday rolled around and I started to feel better. I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot what it was like to feel better and just like naturally have any energy at all and not just have to like muster it up. You know what I mean? If it makes you feel any better, I don't think anybody in the comments said like, oh my God, what's wrong with Brian? Like he looks like hell. Like, well, that's good. <laughs> no that's no good. one said anything like that. So <laughs> that's good. You got the, you passed that. You fooled everybody. Like, I genuinely didn't feel that bad until like Wednesday morning when I woke up. Mm. Actually, it was not long after I we finished the pen cast and I like drove home and then I was like, boy, I'm really feeling pretty drained, but I had like worked a full day and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's not unusual, but I was like, boy, I'm really feeling pretty tired. And then it didn't get better. <laughs> but then yesterday we had off. So this is Tuesday. We're recording this Monday. We had off and it was great. It was the same kind of thing. Like we took our kids to school and Rachel and I were like, we like have the house, like we can do whatever. So we like had a nice like lunch date together and stuff like that. And it was, weather was beautiful and I've been sick or we've been visiting family or the weather has been too cold or rainy or crappy or whatever. So it's been like probably three, probably four weeks since I've gotten outside and like really gotten to do some fun stuff. So I took down like five trees yesterday. <laughs> Cause I was like, I feel good. It's like, I do, like, I'm behind on some emails. I definitely have some work to do. I got to prep for the pen cast. I was like, but it's so gorgeous outside, and I feel good. Like, I need to move my body. I need to chop down some trees. I need to chop down some trees. <laughs> literally, that is, like, what mental health is for me, is, like, moving my body. And I'm like, I mean, literally, I have a therapist, and we talked about this. Like, I'm, like, French-Canadian on both sides. I'm, like, I literally have, like, French-Canadian, like, I got to, like, <laughs> farm and do stuff and take down trees and like my body always bulks up for the winter time you know i'm like i'm like a bear you know but it's like i'm meant to like move big heavy things and work with my hands like I, like in my natural state i'm not like sitting in an office all day you know what i mean like i started out with the pen company because i was making things out of wood I was right making pens out of wood you know so it's like i have i'm, I'm trying to incorporate some of that stuff into my life just because like i'm finding like my body my brain like needs that, that is amazing. I'm trying to know? think of like a gym that would have like some sort of fake tree chopping machine. <laughs> like what would that look like? And how like some CrossFit device right. that's like 
but you still just swing like something like chopping and down like something with an axe things fall off i don't know that's just yeah. oh man that's hilarious i don't think you need to fake it i think you just walk outside and like i mean literally my doctor was like you just need to like you live in the middle of a forest so you you I mean, have I, opportunities I, I bought land specifically because this is like the thing i like to do and yeah, you so, sound like yeah. you're in the right spot. My, my doctor and some of the health things, like in addition to the sleep and all that, she was like, you just need to like move a pile of dirt or rocks from like one place to another. So she was like, you see, like, cause you see some of the weird, like CrossFit type things. Mm-hmm. Now the whole social component of CrossFit doesn't appeal to me in any way whatsoever, but like, like just slinging big ropes and oh, yeah. carrying heavy chains and flipping big tires. Oh I'm yeah. Like, or hitting the tire with a that, sledgehammer. That looks awesome. Yeah. Like I would do any of that. So I'm like, I just need to like come up with like a crazy obstacle course outdoor something or other. Do you, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I can, yeah, I can come up with one for you. We'll, yeah? s- we'll see. Yeah. I'll come over. Well, I'll, I'll do something. It's, it's going to involve, you know, a, a row of like half dead trees. You need to push over with your physical body. You yeah. Know? That's and what I'm then talking about. a couple chainsaw things, a couple ax only things. Okay. A couple hacksaw only things. Yeah. Okay. Um, so tell me this. So I, I'm guessing most of the work is done with chainsaw, right? Uh, some of it. So of it. what describe to me your go-to axe, like your, like, I hope I want, I, I want to believe it has a name. I'm sure it doesn't, um, but it should. I have many axes. What, what is, what is that? That like, has been an unintentional collection that I've got. What, it, what is like axes you, and hatchets? What's your go-to though? Like, all right. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna chop a tree down. Let me grab the beauty. So yeah, I, I do have a go-to. Your your um, your rosebud. Yeah. So I'll I'll typically use like uh, yeah I will use a chainsaw, though you know chopping oh. down a tree with an axe is something I haven't really tried yet, but what? I certainly could. <gasps> yeah, I mean I thought that would be like the best form of therapy. Yeah, I mean it's enough work to do all the rest of it that I haven't like needed to like add that in to the process, oh, but I certainly could. Yeah. I mean, I do plenty of chopping and all that kind of stuff. So there's like, there's no question I do plenty of that, but yeah. like felling a tree yeah. with no machinery whatsoever. Yeah. I'll, I'll try that. I'll try that. <gasps> Please. Yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. that you were do doing that. this already. No, no, no. It's mostly been with, with James. Oh Moore. yeah, man. Yeah. You put on some plaid, you go out there, that, that, the, the, that, bulked up French Canadian bear inside of you yeah, is just going yeah. to be screaming with joy. Yeah. My ancestors, especially if you have a double bladed one. I don't have a double bladed one. If you like, you just you need... actually don't want a double bladed one felling a tree. Oh, I do. Well, you you <laughs> might. <laughs> You're not a Viking out there like trying to defeat the tree. No, you want the flat end on the back of the axe because when you when you hammer the wedges in. Like when you're felling the tree and you need to like nudge it in the oh, direction, yeah, you need yeah. the wedges. You use the back of the axe yeah. as your as your hammer. That makes sense. So that's that's why you don't want a double double sided. Yeah. Well, the trees just fall where I tell them. Okay, sure. <laughs> you tell them with the wedge. That's how it happens. All those trees I've cut um, down. Yeah, right. Um, no, usually what I use is I use uh, Fiskars is a good brand. They have a lot of really good Fiskars. Fiskars. That's it's not pronounced Fiskars. Really? No, it's Fis- Fiskars. Oh, I've only heard my yeah. grandmother say because she she liked her Fiskars scissors because she's yeah. a seamstress. In America, we say Fiskars. I think because it sounds more like scissors, which yeah. is what we associate. <laughs> no, really. Like I've watched like YouTube videos. Is it is it the name? Is it someone's name? Um, I don't remember. They've been around for forever. Okay. They've been around like. 300 years or something crazy. Fiskar. They're from... I will say that from now on. Oh, they're from one of the Nordic And I will countries. judge anyone who does anything Sweden? else. Uh, Fiskars. So you have a Fiskars axe. I have several axes and hatchets. Yeah, they make a lot of really good outdoor stuff. Oh. Um, I didn't know that. I don't know if I can on the fly find the stuff on their website, but whatever. Um, so yeah, they have some really good um, stuff like that. That's got like 
I mean, they make all different types of ones, but I'll show you some sometime. sometime. But um, yeah, so I have like a, a 19 inch hatchet actually that I keep, which is good. I mean, if you have, wait, wait, you said you keep it. Is it, did, do you have it on your belt somewhere? Yeah. <gasps> so I have. You like, walk around with like a hatchet on I your belt. A, I have a belt, and I have like an aluminum sheath that's made for for different size axes and hatchets and stuff. Do you wear anything you on your keep back? It on your belt. Yeah, like it's on like the back, like the middle of the back. I you want know, you to so wear like I a have... big axe, like on your back, like some sword, like some oh. knight going into the woods. <laughs> you just woods. want me to be like a Viking, yes. basically, right? I have a very specific vision of you going out into these woods, Brian, and you need to meet this <laughs> this ridiculous expectation. I'm not slaying a dragon. I'm felling a tree, you know, but... I don't see a difference. I mean, we've all got our metaphorical dragons in our lives. You don't. Brian. You wouldn't want to like wear an axe on your back because if you like trip and fall, oh, I know it's a terrible can, idea. Like, oh, terrible chop idea. Your ear off and oh, no, stuff. no, no, no one. I don't no, think anybody you ever. Have, like, you have like a sheath that yeah. the thing sits in, and the handle is up so that you can grab it. Can you at least easier. have them both in the size like a cowboy, but with hatchets? The problem is then like your mobility is all limited, and, like so that's why you keep like you keep the hatchet mm. like more towards your back. Okay. And so that as you're bending over, as you're like moving your arms you're not like catching it on the stuff that's on your belt there's a specific oh, reason why right. this placement is there but anyway but yes th- i could do that i could do all that. right you know i'll do that for you and take a picture you know they make that. samurai swords that they, they make machetes that look like samurai swords you could at least wear oh, one you could at least bring okay. one of those in. i do own several machetes as well they don't work quite as well as you kind of want to just do. see you wearing all of your hatchets and axes and machetes. i don't think i could because i have too many <laughs> As as much as I like fountain pens, I would look like some World of Warcraft character or something like that. I would, I would, I would actually look ridiculous <laughs> if I wore. I, I must have twenty or twenty five hatchets. Oh my god! Of all different types and sizes and stuff like that, just because you know, I mean, they're not super expensive. I don't buy like super nice ones, but oh, man. you know, you get different sizes and different types of handles. And I have one hatchet. Like I don't that. know where it came from, and it's not sharp at all. You could make it sharp. I know. I brought it to my brother's once and put it on his belt sander, and neither of us knew what we were doing. A belt sander? That's not the right tool for the job. I'm not surprised. Most likely. I'm not surprised. I was like, hey, do you have some sort of sander I can sharpen my hatchet with? And he's like, I got a belt sander. I was like, Dude, sure. You know the guy to ask for these types of things. I know, but yeah. <laughs> it's all right. I'll hook you up. Um, anyway, so yes, felled some trees, which is how I got this beautiful ah. little thing on my thumb. So I got that because I was holding the wedge. And and smacking it with the back of my hatchet and my hand like was too much in the way. And mm. I was even as I was doing it, I was like, Yeah, it might hit my hand. <laughs> I was like, this is not the <laughs> best placement. Out. You know, because yep. like hit my hand. Yeah, because I was it was I was cutting this tree and it was like back leaning a little bit, but I didn't want to go across the driveway because Rachel was gonna have to pick up the kids. Mm. So I I didn't wanna like obstruct anything. Um, so I wanted to fall it in a, the other direction than it was leaning. Yeah. You know, which you gotta do that sometimes. So I had to make my cut and then start to get my wedge in there so that it wasn't very deep when I started doing the wedge. And so I had to hold it in place. And I just, I hit the wedge and it slipped off the wedge and then hit my thumb. And I was like, uh, ow. And then I kept working for like six hours after that. Of course so, you did. Yeah. It's a, it's actually not as bruised as I thought it would. Like you can see it's a little bit blue, but Ooh. it's not too bad. I didn't break anything. I'm fine. I'll recover just fine. But it just felt so good to be out there. I was like, I don't even care if I hit my thumb. I'm just going to keep on going. Um, so I did that. I love that for you. Yes. And this is like pine trees. You know, most of them are like 12-inch, 14-inch diameter. It's nothing Sounds like a great tree crazy. to use just an axe with. It really actually would be because most of the trees I'm taking down are like half dead anyway. So it's like they're going to fall down. All right. I'm going to use Oxford Blue. 
and you can chop down a tree with just an axe. Today would be such a good day. It's like 69 degrees out there right now. I'm Look like, at us. I'm sitting here sweating in here, running Action my mouth. steps. I need to go home and <laughs> fell a tree with yes. just an axe. Maybe I'll do that. Um, okay, so I'll move this along so I have time to go cut down an axe with my hands. And if you um, could set up set up your phone so you can do a quick time lapse and we can put it on the pencast next week. See, that's a difficult thing. Like when I'm cutting trees down, like you can die. It's like one of the most dangerous things you can do. So I never prioritize taking pictures or mm -hmm. video of me actually doing that stuff because I 100% focus on what I'm doing. Well, you even can... like setting up a camera or whatever, I'm like, I don't even want to, I don't even want to deal with that. So mm. I need to be like doing it with somebody else oh, who see. can be recording or whatever. So I can solely focus on not dropping a tree on myself That's or very responsible house or something. You. Yeah. So I don't approve of that at all, but fair okay. enough. Well, it makes for worse videos, but you know, um, but on the good, good news, finally watched the second half of Hamilton with my kids. <laughs> it took forever to get them to do it, but we watched it. They loved it. Yes. And now we all have all the songs stuck in our heads. Excellent. Yep. So very much enjoying that. And uh, yeah, I think that's all the things I have to say. Um, I've not yet played chess again with Rachel, but we were both under the weather and I was like super under the weather. You got to so be chill like, with that. You don't want to force it. We both got to come back. It'll happen. It'll happen. <laughs> She's not like said anything about not wanting to do it, but it is like just really not even practically been on the table. Kids are still loving it, though. We're still nice. playing it. Still playing it. That's all I got. Lovely. All right. We got a couple of company updates, and then we'll wrap this thing up. All right. So a couple of videos to point out to you if you haven't seen them already. Uh, it's the beginning of the new year now, which means that we are wrapping up 2022 content. And so we put out a couple of uh, videos on the hottest inks and the hottest pens yep. of 2022. So we got those out a little bit early for you. Technically, we hadn't finished out the year when we shot those, but we felt confident enough in what had been released. Um, so it's been received really well, uh, and they're very, very fun for us. I think it's like seven years we've been doing the hottest pens now, something crazy like that. Can't believe we've been doing it that much, but we have those out. And then I got a video out this week on my favorite fall pens, which seems weird because it's like after the holidays, you're like fall. That seems like forever ago. Technically fall ended like December 20th. Or yeah. Whatever. We wanted to make sure fall was <laughs> over before over. reviewing the yeah. pens of the fall. So we got a little bit out of order on that one, but still it's a different enough video that I think you'll still like it. So watch that if you haven't. Um, and uh, you know, we did have a three day weekend, but our team has been catching up on orders. We've been staying, you know, adequately busy, um, but not so much that we've had to like, delay orders or anything like that. Like our team has been really well matched up for the volume that we've had. So we should be in pretty good shape there. Um, and then just, you know, coming up in January here, this is always a very busy time for me because I'll be working on like annual planning and goal setting and all this kind of stuff. Reviews. Yeah. Reviews will be coming up here in like February, March time. Frame. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. So not, not okay. quite yet. So yeah, like January's we're going to be doing like, you know, reports for all of our vendors, you know, looking right. at sales and all these types of things. So there's a lot of just like looking back at the year and then looking ahead at this coming year. So a lot of stuff that won't be like super talked about in the pencast or anything like that, but it's just, you know, that's just what we do here at Gooley Pens. It's yeah, I love that we do this vendor stuff. So we get products from our vendors, right? And then we sell them to you. Mm -hmm. So our vendors that sell the products to us, they don't like they know what they sell to us, mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily know a lot of details about the customer experience. So yeah. every year, our team, like Brian specifically and Sam, our operations director, like they go through a lot of data, a lot of numbers, and then mm -hmm. they go back and they have these really great reports that they then give the vendors 
to say, hey, this is how the customer perception has been about your brand, or this is how mm -hmm. things actually sold to the customer yeah. and what performed well. And it's just such a cool and thing can, that- yeah, And we can summarize other things like, hey, we, we um, know there's a lot of people that are asking about you know, whatever, some product offering. Or yeah. It's like, you know, we'll make suggestions in terms of like, everybody wants an extra fine nib on the Metropolitan or something like that. Yes. So we can like make recommendations and analyses, but also yeah. we can show like, yeah, you know, looking at last year, it looks like a lot more broad nibs have sold right. this year than the year before. It's just something that maybe we should expand the, the our company can provide the mm -hmm. industry in a more holistic sense and to try to enhance everybody's perspective, which I just think is such a cool thing that we do. And I get excited yeah. every year. Um, well, and to give credit, I'm not spending as much time. I put my like icing on the cake. Yeah. Sam and Jeremy are, are dead. Animals. Yeah. He does a lot too. So to yeah. give them fair credit. It's um, so but cool. Still, I love that. There's no like you know, template for how to do this kind of a thing. This is something we started doing years ago and we've kind of refined it over time. But, yeah. you know, it's all in kind of that effort, you know, because I always think like, I don't want to just be like a middleman where like we're buying stuff and selling it and yeah. that's it. But like, it is definitely like a value add that we can bring. It is. And the pen industry is different. Like it is a very close knit group and we're all it working is, toward yeah. the same goal. And what that does is help everybody just get a little bit more clarity as to what you know the customers want what they value and how we can best help you know point a give it to point b and yeah it's just something i take a lot of pride in you know yeah, something absolutely. we do here yeah, i think it's too. exciting yeah so there you go that's what's going on with our company stuff and uh let's go ahead and wrap this sucker up and we want to thank um, you oh what? but when this publishes there will also be another video oh there um, will Oh, wait, no, no, you already mentioned fall. No. Never mind. Yeah, the fall video. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, ignore yeah. me. No, forget you. Um, okay, to wrap this thing up, thank you all for watching. I have a great, great fun fact coming up, so don't leave yet. Um, but please leave us some feedback. We've got lots of things in the comments we asked you to do for this time. So please go back and do that. Um, ask us any questions you want to see on future shows. We have like an uninterrupted like next many, many, many weeks. So like we need to get some pen cast questions like locked and loaded i'll be posting another thing on instagram um, awesome uh check out gulaypens.com that is we are self-funded so that's our sponsor we are sponsored of. by the so goulet pen company look at that yes um they and uh, yeah subscribe to youtube instagram tiktok if it doesn't get banned and all these things and um you can email us at pencast at goulaypens.com if you're an audio listener and you want to reach out to us without having to go onto a website all right my fun fact drew I did sort of a deep dive on this one. That doesn't sound so like I hope you. I don't make your brain explode. But my brother-in-law asked me a question over the holidays, and I had to do some research. And as I researched it more, I found some numbers, and I wanted to share them. You know I don't so, understand numbers. Okay, good. That's why you're – we'll see how much you like this this one, but okay. it's fun. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll Tarantino it. I'll give you the end, and then we'll like go That'll back. That'll make it much more clear. Yeah. Thank you. So the whole – if you want the TLDR version, uh, there are more variations of chess moves than there are atoms in our observable universe. Okay? So that's that's the end goal. I'm gonna show you how we get there. Um, so I've mentioned before about combinations of like patterns on a three by three Rubik's cube, right? So uh, this is a previous fun fact that I had. On a three by three Rubik's cube, there are 43 quintillion combinations. Oh, God. Which is a, which is a one with 15 zeros after it, right? Or 43 with 15 zeros after okay. it. Okay. So there's, there's more combinations on a 3x3 three three Rubik's Cube than there are grains of sand on the Earth, right? Okay. So that's a lot. <laughs> but that's nothing compared to 
chess, right? Um, so I had heard an interesting fact somewhere about chess that despite the game being about 1500 years old, that there's never been the same game of chess that's been repeated, like organically. I mean, you can like look back at a, a championship game and replay it or something, but like organically playing a game, there's never been two games that have been played the same. How do they know that though? I'm going to get there. That's where the math comes in. Um, and it also won't likely ever happen in the future in the existence but of But if it did happen, they wouldn't know. So oh, I was curious. I wanted to look it up, right? So yeah, you're right. How would they know? But the math tells a story, right? So the, it's a, the math is a bit hard to grasp because it gets so large. But there is something called the Shannon number. And you can tell your wife about this. It's named after... Claude Shannon, so it was, it was the last name, but anyway, still the Shannon number. Um, you can you can look it up on Wikipedia. So Claude Shannon um, created the infant information theory in 1948, which uses mathematics to understand the rules of governing the transmission of messages through communication systems and all kinds of other things like how sound travels and you know how bees get honey and all this type of stuff. But anyway, he posed a theory in 1950 that a computer could be programmed to beat humans in chess. This was like way back in the day, back before computing was really mainstream. Um, it took until the 70s for it to actually occur where a chess computer could beat low-level players, but certainly not like grandmasters. But famously, you may have heard of this, um, IBM's Deep Blue played against the reigning world champion Gary Kasparov in 1996. Um, and beat him. So he was the best chess player in the world. The computer beat him in a chess tournament. So, um, and chess engines have only gotten stronger since. Now it's impossible to beat a chess engine like ever because they're so strong because the computing power has gotten so much better. So we're seeing now that like his theory has like played out, right? So um, long story short, using a lot of math, Math that I don't understand. Um, but the Shannon number has the number of possible legal moves in a chessboard as 10 to the power of 43. So I, I guess that's what, like a 10 with 43 zeros after it? I don't know. Which if you think about like the Rubik's Cube thing, that's a, 40, a 43 with 15 zeros. So think about 43 zeros. Anything after a million a makes no sense to me. So that's just that's just the number of possible moves on a chessboard, but the average chess game is 80 moves. So you have like, you know, basically 40, 40 pairs of moves. Like you have white and then you have black makes a move. So like 40 pairs. That's so um Shannon used the the 40 pair move thing as as a standard for like a typical chess game. Um, so Shannon's number estimates a lower, lower boundary of 10 to the power of 120 of possible chess games. Uh, whereas the number, the estimated number of atoms in the observable universe is 10 to the power of 78 or 10 to the power of 82, somewhere in that range. So it's uh, quite a bit larger, in fact, than... <laughs> so there's estimated to be closer to maybe 10 to the power of 40 of reasonable sensical games of 80 moves of chess that would be played. I mean, not just like mathematically ones that would make any sense, but, you know... Even with the most conservative of estimates, it's so unfathomably large the number of combinations that can happen of chess games that all of humanity, if they were playing chess for the rest of reasonable existence, would never see the game came up come up twice. Isn't that crazy? 
Uh-huh. <laughs> I've drained all of Drew's remaining life force out of his body. Anyway, it was really fascinating. If y'all understand math better, please, it's pretty fascinating. I, I, but, yeah. My back hurts, and I think I have a headache in the center of my eyes. <laughs> like, if you drew a line through my temple, right here is where it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. You want something even crazier? I didn't even write, no. I didn't even write this in my notes. I don't. This is a bonus, bonus fact. Oh, my God. So have you heard of the game Go? It's like you have black and white beads. G-O-H. No, just go. Just G-O. Is it like a, or maybe it's G-O. I don't know if it's... It's like the star shape thing? <clears throat> no, it's a, it's like a board game. It's, I don't know. It's like a grid and you put... Anyway. Yeah, I think I have. It's, it's even like older. Japanese or it's something? It's even older than chess. Chinese, yeah. Chinese, it's like 4,000 okay. years old. Um, that's even more complicated than chess oh, in good. terms of the combinations. But no, it's just really fascinating. So they building on the AI technology from like Deep Blue and all that kind of stuff. Um, they they created something called AlphaGo in 2015. Um, so that was this is basically like the game with the most number of possible combinations, like the most complicated game that there is out there, even more so than chess. And uh, in 2015, they created an engine that that beat the reigning champion. So that, you know the computing power. It was you know. It's these kind of things are touted as like AI is like achieve some kind of a, you know thing, but it's like it's a very closed system, so it's like a very, very much AI that's put in a box. Yeah. So it's like I don't know how much of an achievement it is for humanity, so to speak. But it was like I watched a whole documentary on it. It's pretty fascinating the whole AlphaGo technology they came up with. But um, anyway, the number of combinations in Go was like ten to the power of one hundred and seventy or something crazy. Like so, so large. But anyway, oh man, it's very complicated. Oh yeah, there's a lot of math involved, and it's like uh -huh. to the point where like they can't like using supercomputers, they can't even like brute force calculate these things. They've had to like get into like complex theories, even do the math to come up with these things. So people much smarter than I have done that. But I don't know. So that was a little fun fact for you. If you have any brain power left at the end of this podcast, I, I'm sure that some people would consider that fun. I think it's fun. Yeah, I know. But I like I'm a glutton for pain, so <sighs> that's why you hit yourself in the hammer in the I hand with hatchets. Yep. God. See, I would ask you that I would need to go home early now, but it's pretty much the end of the day already. It's, so it's I can't. Close to the end of it, I can't yeah. even say like the owners punish me to you the point where I, I I request to go home early. You got to take that. Uh, I've got to bring it home. <laughs> you can go go tell Shannon. Just tell her go. Google I'm not going to repeat number. any of this. Just say go. Just Google Shannon's. Why number. would I do that to her? Because it's a cool thing. Oh. I, have, I wish there was like a Brian's number. <laughs> you can have cool. it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll talk is. to Shannon. You can have it. I'm yeah, sure she'll say know. yes. Let me know what she says. She won't care. <sighs> uh, anyway, that's all we got for this week. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Maybe. Right on.